Welcome to Podcast with Cooper Cherry. Today's guests are Chris and Dave of Mandatory OT. Thank you both so much for joining me. It's been about, what, like a month in the works? Yeah, but, yeah, uh, it feels like, yeah. It's good to have you uh, both on, and uh, th- shout out to JP of uh, Beep Beep Lettuce for, for kind of being that connection point for us. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, JP is the, uh, he is an utmost comrade, that's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> knew him from... Uh, from music when I was when I was in college and just kind of met through his band and the rest is history. We we love that guy to death. Um, love the beep beep folks to death. Absolutely, um, they're really really cool, really funny. Also, um, uh, check out Long Care, which is his band. Um, yeah, Long Care was dope. Yeah, Long Care is <laughs> um, Long Care is absolutely phenomenal. So where are you? Where are you y'all located at? Um. <laughs> We are recording. Technically, we are recording in Bridgeport, Ohio, which is um, not are, even 120 on, seconds from Wheeling, West Virginia. <laughs> yeah, we're right on the Ohio River. The Ohio River. I could throw a rock from here and hit it. Yeah, pretty much where we're at. Okay, that's funny. Because um, I'm thinking I, uh, that movie, the movie Apocalypse Now, uh, Willard. I don't know if you have, you guys have seen that movie, but uh, Willard's like talking about traveling up the Ohio River and seeing, I think there was an abandoned, like an orchid plantation or something. No, it was gardenias. It was, no, and it was Kurtz. He's like, there were gardenias there, blah, blah, blah. I had to watch that. Up the Ohio River. Had to watch that movie um, for like a film adjacent class in college. Don't remember much of it. I know. (laughs) You know what? I don't think I've seen Apocalypse Now, which is weird because that's definitely something... My movie tastes are almost solely focused on like just the most I I, be, I guess B horror movies are all I ever watch. So I can talk for you days on like Italian horror films from the seventies. But like <laughs> nice. even like the most popular films, like I mean, if it's not the Titanic, I don't know if I've even seen it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But to make it Titanic, to, to, ah Jesus Christ! I can't talk. Um, to make it a little easier for uh, for your listeners, though, um, we're about an hour southwest of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We're in the northern okay. panhandle of West Virginia, um, pretty much. Yeah, so. nice. So you're actually not even that far from John. You're like a, you know, we're like an hour, hour away from yeah. something like that. Yeah. Oh yeah, nice. hour and a half with bad track traffic. Hour like regularly. Like uh, we actually talked about having him on again in the not so distant future, and him actually coming down to record with us. Yeah, that'd be cool. I, in person is just it's it's so much better not to like take away from this podcast. But oh no, it's just, absolutely. It's a lot easier, I think. Uh, you know, so much can go wrong in these uh, kind of over the internet recordings. So. Oh yeah, like this is probably the smoothest we've we've had it go. We've had with. issues the past couple of times. Yeah, this is the smoothest we've had we've had something go with uh, Google Hangouts in like the past couple months. So. I recorded, like I said, I was telling Chris this that I recorded like a two plus hour podcast on Sunday and realized hours later when I get went to go edit that I had only recorded my side of the audio somehow because oh, I was I was recording ass. through uh, FaceTime and I couldn't remember when I t- I know I had tested it out but I think when I tested it out I didn't have my interface and mic connected so I think that was the culprit oh, Jesus oh, it's okay. Christ. This guy here, we had, when we very first started podcasting, yeah. we got, <laughs> um, I don't know if you know the um, the emo band, uh, um, The World is a Beautiful Place, and I'm No Longer Afraid to Die. Okay, I am not familiar. Okay. Um, well, we got, we had an interview with their vocalist, David Bellow, 
and it was like the biggest guest we had at that time. And still, probably quite quite possibly the biggest, biggest guest, guest we've that we had. still had. Because um, <laughs> I know some people listening will know who we're who we're talking about. But uh, Chris lost it all. So yeah, lost the whole fucking interview. <laughs> oh fuck, that sucks. But oh well. Um, truthfully, it was probably our roughest like kind of interview slash guest episode. Um, because. The world is a pretty like public facing band. They're they're scenesters. Like everyone that's like into emo knows them. I mean, they were they were like one of the main parts of the emo revival in like 2013. Yeah, like so it was. You could definitely tell he was like mincing words because he didn't want to like get too into the weeds or or like overplay his. And hands. we're over here yelling, "Burn down an Applebee's! So, <laughs> yeah, like, it, yeah. Nationalize <laughs> the Applebee's! Burn dude. it Jesus, down! Fuck!" <laughs> but yeah, um. Yeah, it's the running joke we've had for about a week is the real the real uh, split within the left isn't the trots and the Stalinists and the Maoists it's or whatever. This fucker wants to nationalize Applebee's, but I say we burn it down. Yeah, that's, that's the real split. That's the real split. <laughs> but, yeah, um, so do you just kind of want us to dive into... Well, here, I, I, yeah, I was actually going to suggest, because I think uh, we were talking about the first thing I wanted to jump into was sort of everyone's path into the left. And yeah. I don't know, maybe it'll make... Se- I don't know if it makes more sense for me to maybe give a quick rundown first and then yeah, no, let, absolutely. You, let you all take over. Yeah, because we didn't just um, want to just rant and rant and rant and then you interject. Like, yeah, no. Yeah, we're, we're ranty people. We know. <laughs> we're sorry. It happens. It happens to the best of us. So, you know, I was born in in Shiner, Texas. I don't know if you are familiar with Shiner Bach. But Hell yeah! <laughs> I, I am was actually born in the little small town where that shit is brewed. No shit. Oh shit! And uh, grew up on a cattle ranch, and so I have done real cowboy shit: feeding cows, rounding up the cows, <laughs> taking them to yeah. market. Uh, doing all that shit, like yeah, but some real, some real cowboy shit. I mean, <laughs> you would never guess if you if you saw me on the street, you'd be like, "What?" Oh, but, I, uh, I get that wholeheartedly. <laughs> yeah. So I grew up there, um, conservative household. My family's all evangelical Christians, mm. conservative. I mean, my dad is pretty much a uh, Christian fascist. <laughs> and seriously, uh, but um, so. He is just a high school graduate, so he doesn't have any kind of like really history, right? Sense of history or how culture works or how society develops. He just kind of, and it's primarily tied to the the uh, evangelical stuff. Yeah, it's his primary kind of political driving ideology. So um, that's the kind. So I raised Southern Baptist, went to church every Sunday. Jesus, and I was always, I think, someone that rebelled against authority. I was incredibly rebellious throughout my especially my teens i mean i was pretty wild uh never have liked authority so i think that definitely plays into my anarchist (laughs) sort of vibe but uh so that really informed kind of my political opinions and you know i was exposed to a little bit of ayn rand during during like middle school high school like early on in in kind of that era and i really identified with sort of that the individualist um ideology a lot Ron Paul 2012 uh, baby (laughs) (laughs) and primarily I think that was driven by you know in a small rural community because I had you know our town had maybe 12 1300 people in terms of population so those really tight-knit kind of communities are it's so like there's so much conformity and 
it's in such a bubble. So you really kind of feel that pressure to kind of conform. And I just never, so that was kind of the appeal of the Ayn Rand stuff. Right. But I also had this, so I, I kind of have this weird dichotomy as well, because my grandfather and really my family, my great grandfather kind of amassed several thousand acres of like ranch property in the early, like the early, like the twenties, the thirties, the forties. He just like worked his ass off chopping wood and selling wood and like driving that shit to San Antonio and ended up like saving money, bought property by property and kind of amassed all Jesus this stuff. Christ. Back when that was possible. I was about to yeah, say, exactly. yeah, you can't do that now. Exactly. C- cutting wood. Seriously. Fucking just, cutting cord wood. That's fucking wild. You could not, oh there was God. not enough wood you could sell unless it was like the bottom half of Africa <laughs> that you could buy property with that. But yeah, so then my grandfather inherited that, and so he he went to college. He went to Baylor, and then my my dad was just kind of like I don't know. He grew up in the '70s, and I guess he got into like smoking weed and like listening to Black Sabbath. And uh, he was a guitar player. He actually, uh, so we had like these kind of dance hall bands. Yeah, they would play like top '40s kind of you know at the little, and they'd kind of tour around kind of local, kind of maybe like Tri County. More so like that. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of the background. And then, like I said, I always had this kind of individualist streak. But my dad didn't go to college. and I, So I like lived in a trailer house. And that was kind of my experience growing up. So I had, I think, that economic, you know, you know, I mean, I didn't have, I was wearing shoes from Walmart and like Hell clothes yeah. from Walmart up until I started buying my own shit in like middle school. You were wearing Champion before it was fucking cool. Oh man, we not even Champion. <laughs> like Champion back in the day didn't even get sold at Walmart cuz I don't know how old y'all are, but I'm I'm, I'm 36. Oh Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm I'm way older than y'all, so um there's a I think there's an interesting difference too and I'll get into that a little bit in that um so went to college and I majored in English and sociology as an undergrad. So I got a little bit of exposure to um, sort of like postmodern theory through my English classes. Mm -hmm. So like Jacques Derrida and Foucault and deconstruction and that sort of thing. And I would go and I would meet with my professors after class and just kind of say, philosophy is always something that interested me in history and what have you. So I would go check on them. And I definitely, I got recommended recommended, uh, Deleuze and Watari and... Jean Baudrillard. Uh, so that kind of was my entree into the left was for more of like this philosophical, existential, postmodern angle to where I was kind of reali- realizing like all these kind of meta narratives that America's built on Christianity, capitalism, like this is all kind of bullshit. These are bullshit stories. Mm-hmm. And if there is no meaning in life, if, if there is no purpose, then why the fuck am I going to waste my life? working for some asshole you know right just didn't never made sense to me so so that was kind of where i'm coming from in a sense and so let's see i was in i was in college from like 2001 until 2009 i I stuck around and went to grad school and have a master's in uh, mass communication also nice so of course i graduated right into the teeth of the fucking great recession which i'm I think has just destroyed my <laughs> my career prospects ultimately. Right. But at that time, uh, you know, Marxism or any kind of socialist stuff was not in the popular imagination whatsoever. Even like the more social justice kind of movements that have uh, become more prominent lately 
were not a thing really, not so much, maybe like more at the fringes or you weren't aware of it because the social media really didn't, hadn't taken off yet at that point for the majority of my, of my college experience. And shit, it's funny too, because people always talk about, oh yeah, the, the universities and these liberal professors, these Marxist professors, (laughs) blah, blah, blah. In my sociology courses, we barely even talked about Marx at all. And the marks that we did discuss was like conflict theory and like structure, superstructure. We never even <laughs> we never scratched the surface on anything like oh, no. surplus labor val- oh, labor theory of value no. or anything related to you know commodity, uh, you know all that sort of stuff. All the all, shit all that's the in of, capital. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I've always thought that was kind of a bullshit and really kind of pisses me off and. In some ways, that was kind of a big part of why I started the podcast because I, I, I did listen to Rogan uh, for a while back in the day, and whenever he, he had Jordan Peterson on, I was like, oh, fuck this guy. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, like, I'm a total postmodernist, and he's, all, he's talking all this bullshit, and he's a fucking hypocrite because he believe, like basically what he says is essentially postmodern in terms of his like ethical and oh, moral yeah. positions. I mean, and then I, he conflates Marxism with postmodernism. It's just, it's a mess. Oh, yeah, because so, I, I am not a postmodernist, but I still fucking hate Peterson. Uh, we don't say Peterson here. We say Peterson because that's the only way that he should be called because he's a fucking joke. But it, it's just, it's, I mean, it's not even his attacks on postmodernism, which aren't even like real attacks. It's just, you know, it's a, it's Cold War propaganda, and then it's yeah. a whole lot of just these like old reactionary ideas. It's um, it's it's Christian conservatism, conservatism, but just wrapped up a little more academically. Yeah. But with exactly, I'm gonna yeah, exactly. I'm gonna just like show you the the mappings of of my mind in how <laughs> I don't think Jordan Peterson is postmodern. Peterson. Peterson. I apologize, Dave. Um, because I'm, I'll play it straight. I have not really read a whole lot of uh, anything kind of like in the postmodernist vein, except maybe Foucault, um, if that counts. But well, Foucault is the, is yeah. I think he's probably the best of them. Okay, cool, cool. Well, Good. maybe I don't know. De- De- Watari and Deleuze are also pretty dope. But as far as the hard theory, it's hard to beat Foucault. Foucault I mean, yeah. his influence is just pretty amazing. But uh, yeah. I'm just like, I don't think your ideas can be all that put. And this is me talking out my ass because, like I said, I don't know a whole lot about postmodernism. You can't be any kind of postmodern if you're espousing like very traditional ideas from Christian conservatives. From, you yeah, need, you don't need to be a post. You don't need to be actually versed in postmodernism to know that there's know nothing that even shit. That, like, there, that there's nothing even modern about what he's saying, let alone postmodern. Well, his uh, so his thing is that what what works is moral, and so he does like he tries to his Christianity sort of vein is that, yeah, it may not be true in a sense, but it works in terms of society, in terms of stability, and that sort of thing. So that's more so where he's coming from. So it's it's like a it's a subjectivity, a subjective morality based on what works in. Right in society, you know what I mean. Yeah, what right. works for those currently in power? What works for it? It's beneficial to keep. Oh yeah, it's benefi- exactly. It's beneficial to keep gender norms. It's beneficial to have a, obviously beneficial to have a hierarchies a lobster, are justified. A lobster hierarchy, you know. That's, exactly. 
those are just things that just allowed you know the bourgeois or the, you know the rich white men to or just any rich in general you know but but still yeah. to, to withhold the power struggles he's just a shill and he should not be allowed to speak publicly whatsoever and i <laughs> cannot wait for zizek to have a fucking meltdown oh, on God. Stage. i think they're just gonna end up they're just gonna end up talking to themselves during the debate <laughs> i mean zizek does that all the time exactly. anyway so. so like it's not gonna be this ridiculous burn like oh, it's it, not because it, they're yeah. just gonna be spouting their own without any communication or actual oh debate. yeah because i'll have your chris is a bigger fan of zizek than i am but it's just because I have, I definitely have my critics. I have my criticisms of him. Oh yeah, I mean, I agree. Don't give me right, wrong. right. <laughs> but he's much more of a pure Hegelian and ideologist. I'm much more of a, uh, I'm much more of a materialist than he is. Same. But, I mean, that's a whole other thing we could talk for days. But you know, let's. Well, well actually, we'll get into Zizek and how uh, and my radicalizations. So. Oh, that's true. <laughs> okay, when we get to you, then we'll talk about him. Um. Um, go ahead. Well, uh, if you were finished. Let me, uh, yeah, I, I'll, just, I'll finish really quickly. Yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. Think, so that's kind of my background is kind of more from this philosophical angle. And then it wasn't until around, I don't know, like around 2016. Um, so I've been a, like a, a Redditor for about a decade or so. I'm like the only one who hasn't become a, a fash at this point. <laughs> you, weren't part, you, you weren't one of the, uh, was it the new atheist that's now the new fascist? Yeah. No, I, I'm in like I'm like an old atheist. I've been an atheist for fucking forever. Just growing up in the Christian conservative milieu. That'll if you just will. turn turn you against it immediately. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but so I was on Reddit, and I feel like maybe the late stage capitalism subreddit kind of blew up right around that time. And there were always pretty good posts and memes, so I got I got kind of into that, and that's really. More so, where I, my exposure to more like the general kind of vibe of, of Marxist critique, and where I started to um, learn a lot more about socialism and, and Marx and that sort of thing, and so that kind of pushed me down. You know, I was already, I think, essentially kind of like a left libertarian, anyways. Just didn't really realize it at the time. Right. But yeah, that's kind of the long and short of of where I come from in terms of how I wound up here. Nice. Um, I'll let Chris go next because yours and eyes is actually very similar. Oh yeah, no, um, you were hitting on the big talking points, and I so, was like, I was like, and there's another check mark for yeah Dave. for like your first <laughs> for about the first half. We we actually share very much in common in our growing, you know. So I'll let Chris go next. Um, God, uh, well, I was born a wee man in the mid '90s. Um, go but, a little faster. <laughs> <laughs> But um, so I guess it really started to happen like in, in 2008, as it did for, I think, most people between your and our age demographic. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah, I think that was probably the catalyzing point for and like I said, that's kind of, you know, like I said, my college experience was already sort of over by the time that happened. Yeah. And was, I think that's really where Mark like the socialist stuff really started to seep more so into the culture at that point. Right, because you just have a, a fucking huge group of people that is in debt up to their eyeballs and can't find a fucking way to pay it off. Yeah, the, you know, <laughs> the, we have a thing called the Great Recession. That yeah. <laughs> really, you know, it, yeah, but we all know. But go yeah, ahead. 2008, I remember I was sick at school and my had my mom come get me. Because um, at the time, she was a stay-at-home. She'd, she'd had a job. Um, is a paralegal at a law firm, but they just laid some some folks off. Um, and as we're pulling into the driveway, it's about eleven o'clock. 
um, we see my dad's truck, and we saw in the bed in the bed of his truck his big toolbox. He was a machinist. Um, trying to see what that. It's on my end. Oh, uh, okay. It's on my end. <laughs> okay. You're good. Yeah, I didn't know if it was like my cat's doing something or what. But anyway, um, we saw his big toolbox in the back of the car, and my mom was just like, "Oh, fuck." Your dad lost his job. And I don't even think she meant to say it because, like, immediately right there, like, I started to freak out because, uh, like, my family working class. My dad was a, was a machinist. Um, my mom bounced around, had some jobs here and there. Um, sometimes it was a stay-at-home. And then through, um, through like, my entire time in high school, because in, in 2008, I was in eighth grade. Um, Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> so wild to me. <laughs> Fuck, I'm old. But... Yeah, uh, through high school, my dad didn't have a job. Luckily, um, a couple months after this event happened, um, my mom found a job, um, and she's been there since. Um, but so we were a one 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 uh, income household, um, and then about my my senior year of college, or not college, senior year of high school, I'd become like a Ron Paul twenty twelve guy, um, <laughs> because obviously, like. If you're a working class person, you can fucking see that uh, the Democrats ain't doing shit. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, for and, 2008, and it's like yeah, and the Republicans sure as fuck ain't doing shit. Oh yeah. Um. And then this was Obama's second term, and we saw like how Obama was hailed as like some sort of hero, and shit just kept getting like worse. Right. That I mean, that was his whole campaign. He was this, you know, change savior hope of change. Yeah. Fucking nothing. Um, and I was like, yeah, he's so full of shit. And I'm like, I'm like, Mitt Romney's just a fucking lizard person. So. <laughs> right. And I'm like, I'm like, Ron Paul, it is the join the revolution or whatever the fuck he <laughs> called it. Um, and then I met Dave cause I worked at a steak and shake my, uh, summer after my junior year, like through senior year of uh, high school. Um, and he started to talk to me about like Mikhail Bakunin or Bakunin or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, I started to really, like, dive more into that, uh, like, anarchist kind of stuff. Um, because it, Bakunin it, it, that ass up? What? I said Bakunin that ass up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, because, like, the rom- like, the whole thing with libertarianism is it is, like, that anti-authority kind of thing. Like, don't tell me to clean my fucking room, Mom. <laughs> um, and, I mean... Bakunin really kind of addressed that. And then from Bakunin, like Dave introduced me to some other ideas and I kind of turned into like more of a, more of just like a typical college liberal. Um, and I was, I was fucking insufferable. Like, God damn. Oh, but same. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've all had our insufferable I was period. A, I was a psychopath. I, I, I didn't mention this, but I was like, I was in a fraternity in college. I was like the president of my fraternity. Oh shit. So I just raged for like, four years just a total savage flouting the laws i mean <laughs> just just going nuts partying balls it, it was wild <laughs> um but and, and like i was into diy i was in the diy music scene um i was in a couple bands i promoted shows and um that that also had like an impact on my politics because diy is ostensibly more more to the left um it's a lot of liberal politics but at that time i thought it was socialist <laughs> Um, but so that drug me 
more to the left, more into like kind of like identity talking points. Um, and then my junior year of college, I had this professor pouring one out for my homie, Wolfgang Sweitzel, um, media critique and analysis professor. An actual Mar- the one Marxist the professor. The one fucking Marxist professor. Um, and he, he railed on about Marx for a solid, like, two months. Um, and, like, Marxist, uh, uh, um, shit, uh, critique. Like, so we had to do a paper, and we had to use, like, one of the modes of critique that we'd learned and analyze, um, like, a big cultural event and something, or something like that, like a big, like, album release, TV show, whatever. Um, and I did a Marxist uh, perspective on the Super Bowl, <laughs> which I'm sure oh, if, if I went oh, back God. to reread it, I'm sure it's like really half baked. But that's like really, I think, the beginnings of of class consciousness. Real, qu- real quick, um, there was a paper I did half baked. I mean, literally, I think I was like half baked. You like did it like the, <laughs> like the day before. And this isn't a boost to me. I think this is I think this is more of a blow against the teacher. But I like I wrote like this like ten page paper and like like drug fueled like the day before and like now she like to this day apparently still uses that as an example. <laughs> <laughs> and this was like three years ago. So a, a good example or a bad a good example. example I would say. <laughs> a good example. Okay, all right. that, that be, works. And hey. And I mean that's actually we'll get to that in my radicalization. You were omitting a very important word there, good or bad. No, good. It was good, <laughs> but it was but I it was this it was this article and this is part of radicalization, but it was it was part of it was on this book, on this diary of a teacher and of her first year in like inner city Chicago. And we were supposed to talk about the teaching style, but instead, like I talked about the fact that like she's working with all these poor kids and they're causing all these issues. But here's we should focus on why they're causing these issues. I mean, I was again, I was like, you know what, let's just play this card. Like, <laughs> maybe she will, she's a, she's like a liberal white woman. Maybe if I just maybe, play maybe if we play these cards right, it'll work. And it, and evidently and it, did, it did. It did really well. Got a perfect but, score, baby. Go ahead. Um. Yeah. Another really important thing about when I was in college is um. My sophomore year, uh, I was in a lot of trouble. We couldn't uh, sign loans that weren't the like federal, the two like federal loans that everyone gets, because my parents had such bad credit. Um, oh shit! And. My dad finally got a job, like, the very tail end of my senior year of high school. And by the October of my freshman year of college, he had hurt himself. And um, up until, like, a couple years ago, was still fighting out his comp case. And now, he like, he can't – he's a shell of the man he used to be um, physically, um, like, faced with a lot of depression and anxiety because, like, he was a musician. He drummed. Um and now if he even thinks about doing that, he's, like, down for the count for, like, two days. Um, just piss poor quality of life. Um, and there's a lot of, like, anger around that. There's a lot of anger around, like, the financial uh, anxieties and, like, the fact that we had to have, like, cheeseburger helper, like, three nights in a row. Like, not irregularly when I was in a when I was in high school. Uh, oh, yeah. That's pretty common. I know how that is. That's yeah. better than – we had a, a lot of Wolf brand chili – and uh, Dairy Queen. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, fucking chicken strip baskets for days. Oh, that fucking gravy's dank, though. <laughs> don't don't let is. anyone. I take love that, that shit. Uh, yeah, DQ strips, man. They're they're fucking good. <laughs> Dude, their flamethrower burger, I can get. The flamethrower is dope. Um, but uh, also, this Marxist professor intru- professor introduced me to to Zizek with his uh, Pervert's Guide films, um, oh, nice. which I really enjoyed and uh, kind of got me, again, starting to take uh, some of these Marxist ideas and really put them together and start to piece uh, piece together like an infant kind of class consciousness between like what was going on with my family back home two hours away and right. our financial hardships. Um, and then, like, why is this happening? Why can't my dad get the care he needs and whatever? Um, but, uh, bef- oh, yeah, one last thing about college. Um, an- an- this was, like, a real fucking, like, galvanizing moment. We were sitting there. Um, I'm from a pre- – we're, we're from a predominantly white area. Yeah, um, same. And, I mean, yes, there are some black folks, and, yes, most of those black folks are poor. Um they live in neighborhoods similar to the one that the ones that we live in now. Um, but so we're sitting in there and I have this insufferable li- liberal teacher, Karen Riggs. She's a fucking shit bag, just a <laughs> shit stain of a professor. Um, and she was like the most typical, like white liberal feminist, uh, like we need more women CEOs kind of pe- person. And the projector in her classroom was fucked up because the uh, tech crew had just installed a new one and she got pissed. We were not able to have class that day because the tech crew, who is predominantly from like the Athens locals who were very similar to the rural Appalachian, like working class here. Yeah, Athens itself. Not well educated. Um, yeah, Athens itself, but not to university, is still very part of the rural. It's, it's Ohio, Appalachia. It's Appalachia, still, yeah. yeah. Um, and she's like, oh, it's just a, those stupid hillbillies. Like, what can you expect from them? And I'm like, what the fuck, you piece of yeah, shit? Seriously. I'm like, uh, and this is the woman that on the first day lectured us about fucking rape culture. And uh, which, which, I'm not, which I'm rape not saying exists. does not. Well, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying that within the frame of, of liberalism, she lectured us about that. And about all of these like identitarian kind of talking points, and I'm like, but you're gonna turn around and say this shit. I'm shit on the working class. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, it's that new left. I mean, they have. It's yeah, part of the, the new, new left has been prevalent. Fucking since. awful. But, yes. <laughs> but um, yeah. So that was a big moment. Then I graduated, uh, took this hourly job working mostly evenings, nights. Um, was really isolated. Hated it. Um. Dave and I discussed writing a book about the education system because we felt like we were underserved. And then we're like, we are not qualified at all to write this. Well, it was like, what if what <laughs> if we could do a podcast? Yeah. And that's kind of what yeah, started right. Mandatory. It was Mandatory OT. Was, I don't think we ever actually talked about this on the show, but what started started it was we were going to, tr- you know, we had all these. I was going for school for middle school education at the time. That was my major for um, for a year. And we wanted to really discuss like how like there was so many issues with, um, with schools in the area, and we wanted to like kind of like really do a lot of research and write like this book about it. And then we started getting everything together. We started meeting and we're doing like, research fuck, for this it. Is so hard. Well, I don't think it was even that. It was just like <laughs> we were doing it, and I was like, why don't we just do a podcast where we can like broad things out? Yeah, yeah because I had just started listening to like 
because that's when we started getting the kind of podcast. Yeah, yeah. Because overnights, I'm like I'm isolated by myself. Like after like 9 p.m., like I don't have like the most talkative coworkers. Um, so I was listening to like Street Fight and Chapo, and I started getting to, into a delete your account. Um, and then from there, uh, we are now leftist podcasters. I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd read some. I've listened to like. I f- feel like every fucking episode of Rev Left because that is such a good ass show, oh, and there's man. so Rev much Left to learn. Is, Brett is doing the um, good fight, yo. Like, yeah, oof. wonderful. Um, but yeah, just because there's so much time in the day that I need filled with some fucking Dorcas's talking in my ears. <laughs> but like at work too, like especially with what we do, you can listen to podcasts, but you can't read. Like yeah. you gotta, yeah. you know, we're doing stuff on the screen. Yeah. So that you know that makes podcast makes it accessible, so we yeah, can listen to people talk about these i about these books and ideas that we don't have time to read. Yeah, right. so really cool. So five for five six hours out of every five days of the week, I'm listening to podcasts. Like I'm subscribed to thirty, and I Patreon for four of them. So, <laughs> but. Yeah, I guess that's kind of the long, drawn-out, long-winded, Chris, shut-the-fuck-up version of of kind of how I, I sort of radicalized to where I am now, just the little cool points. Oh, yeah, I forgot this one this one moment in 2016. Yeah. Um, this little fella called Bernie Sanders, I think that uh, he played a big role uh, for a lot of yeah, folks he really did. getting out yeah. of college. Um, but I mean, we have our – we. We are. I mean, now we are. We're. I mean, we are not fans of Bernie now, but now that we're radicalized as we are, but we understand the importance that he had in radicalizing. No, absolutely, for sure. I had very similar upbringing to you. I um. I was. I was born on a 600-acre farm, um. That was sheep, cattle, and horses, uh, mostly sheep. Uh, my family immigrated uh, from Scotland in the 1700s as sheep farmers, and the land that they pretty much procured at that time which is around it's like i think or close 650 acres around there has pretty much been my family's land since then so you know they oh, came damn. over That's colonized crazy. and worked up that colonization and now they have all you know um so i grew up um but i still grew up uh you know we had a poor working class um now my family, you know, I've talked about this in our own pod. Uh, my family does have oil money now because of you know all that acreage land. Um, yeah, I mean, pro- same, yeah, same here with especially with like so there was the '80s oil boom and then the fracking yeah. boom, so my, we got a little bit of a cheddar grand- off of that. Yeah, my yeah. grandparents got the '80s boom, but we still grew up because my I found this out weirdly because my parents never d- discussed money, but I saw it growing right. up because that was their big thing, you know. Because I grew up with the, my father was a. Um, was a preacher. We grew up Pentecostal. Um, uh, my family is full of evangelical evangelicals. Evangelicals. <laughs> Those goddamn evangelicals. Evangelical fascists. Like I grew up. That is. Oh, what right. my, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's. It's <laughs> literally what almost all of them are on both sides. Um, but um, which is funny because my dad grew up in the very conservative rural area, but my mother's family um, was very was very democrat but they they grew up very poor but they were still incredibly racist incredibly um evangelical and religious but they still they just voted democrat i mean they're you know they're your biden you know yeah they all support well but they used to but now even that family they were huge supporters of trump now 
So my that's because bo- they heard Biden was getting canceled. So, so that, <laughs> well, they w- it, it's just I mean, yeah, my yeah, my father was, you know, salesman and a preacher. Um, as you can imagine, those two things combined. <laughs> oh, that's a yeah. dangerous mix. It is very. Um, I had, um, you know, I am um, pansexual or bisexual. Either one goes by both. And I am um, I, I, I identify as like masculine non-binary. I don't. I've always been, um, I've always had like very feminine characteristics, and like growing up, like that was something I always put it, put behind me, or you know would would hide. Oh or yeah, or I would show as people would you know I would present it as I'm just overly dramatic or rebellious. I was in yeah, it's like I'm I was very sensitive, like yeah, but like writing I was, fucking <laughs> poetry and I can't fucking lift a damn screwdriver to save my ass. Well, exact same. <laughs> you know, that's what my father hated me growing up because you know I would do stuff outside, of course, you know if he wanted me to, but like soon as like he was done with me, I'm like I'm right back inside, you know, do you know, Oh yeah. Um. So, I mean, yeah, that's, that's where I grew up. I mean, we, uh, my dad fed, uh, used to have uh, barns for veal calves. So I used to grow up getting up at four in the morning, feeding the veal calves before I go to school um, and doing it right when I got off school, the uh, massive barns. Um, and I, you know, I obviously, um, again, very religious. Um, I was pretty well into it um, for most of my childhood just because that's what my family did. I did somewhat question it. Yeah, um, same. There was always – now, I never saw anything against – I remember being very young, and I was never against uh, – that's – you know, my parents are very homophobic. And this is why, like, one of the special abilities you gain as a gay man in the in Appalachia is all my friends know, but my family doesn't know. And you're good at keeping <laughs> that the case. Because um, I know they'll never listen to my podcast or stuff, so I can talk it freely on there. They know. They – it, it put, they know put, I have the podcast. Put it in the description. But they communist ne- podcast, all caps. <laughs> yeah, my parents. Yeah, my parents know, know I'm a communist. They'll never. Yeah, it could be a podcast about all the fucking orgies we have, and if you they say would communist never. podcast, they'd never know. Oh hell no. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was very. Um, but I. But I still like even as a very young child, I was like, wait, why can't we? Why? Why are we against gays? I never understood that. You know, there was little things like that. I ne- You know, I, I always questioned or didn't like. Um. And um, it's things I didn't re- I didn't realize until later too. Like at the top, you know, I found out like just from uh, when Obama put the uh, with the with the flag, put like the rainbow flag on the White House yeah. or something. My yeah, dad, yeah, he like lit it up with like rainbow colors. Yeah, or something, something you know that liberal shit. Like my, like <laughs> yeah. just that. My dad was like already like threatening. Like why do we like he went on this huge rant like borderline like kill gay. Rant. We should fucking put him in internment camps. Yeah, Yeehaw. yeah. So that's yeah. So that's you know that's what I grew up with and. Um, in high school, I was still I got more into politics, um, and I think a part of that was that rebellious attitude that I that I put as a front in order to kind of hide my gayness. And I got into anarchism, and I got and, and when you first like Ron in, Paul, like yeah, sadly <laughs> anarchism quotation marks, uh. um, you know, like whatever that is. And so yeah, the libertarianism, that right, and I kind of I I took a like a U on the if you're imagining a political compass, like I started out. Like on the right, on the like the middle line, and then I really like swooped down, and then like became an anarchist. And I started reading Bakunin, uh, 
Um, I started reading um, like a little bit of Kropotkin. I hate to admit it, Richard Dawkins. I, that's something <laughs> I'm ashamed of. I'm sorry, but I read a lot of. Re- I read like Selfish Gene, God. Del- like I read. I, read I bought the God Delusion, but I never actually read it. I <laughs> I didn't even buy it. I went to a library and read all of it. Um, but I also did get into the actual biology and science. I was reading. I was still actually reading Darwin. Um, Alfred Wallace and things like that, along with my sociology classes. I had I was a psychology slash anthropology major, uh, oh, was nice. the majority of my college um, years, and so that really helped radicalize. It was culture anthropology. Um, I, in in school growing up as a kid, my family was very anti. Um, they were creationists. Their Earth is six thousand oh, years yeah. old. I mean, same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. You get that. You know, uh, no like, like normal people. And that's yeah, why. of course. <laughs> yeah. Dinosaur bones were placed there by the devil to exactly. trick us and make us, Jesus. Make us go quote, to hell. You just quoted my dad, and I get that. <laughs> so, you know, when I finally learned, like, actual evolution in my classes, I was like, oh. So that was a big start with me. I kind of got into this, like, liberal scienti- scientism. Hell yeah, fam. <laughs> yeah, where it's, yeah, and we're, you know, and so... Yeah, I did that, and then, um, but I was, eventually, I, st- I got into a lot of my radicalization was driven by uh, by the literature I read, and and realizing, like, looking back on my like how my family was raised or how my family was financially, but they hid all that stuff um, because my family believed you do not discuss or show finance in front of your children ever, which is just a way to to which is bad. Keep, it's that, yeah, keep people down, like. If people don't talk about their, then their, you don't know how to handle finances when you're older. Yeah. You know, and people don't talk about their material conditions. They're not going to realize that it's a big fucking problem that everyone's facing. Yeah. So, so yeah, that I looked down and I really started to look around and see that, like, you know, like it, it took me a while, I think, until I was like my late teens, to really realize, oh shit, I grew up like looking around everywhere I grew up. It's all white trash, you know. It's all, it's all Hell the yeah. poor white working class, you know. And there's all these. So I really, you know, that's kind of really what was really evaluating my past. I started reading Kropotkin, Goldman, um, uh, Chomsky was, I was about to say one. Chomsky was, was the early was one I got big. into. And then, you know, we were, you know, I was a solid ANCOM, anarchist communist for a while um, because of that. Well, then eventually I started, of course, reading more. And what happens when you get drenched in theory, you become a Marxist-Leninist. Like there's no, <laughs> you know, and that's kind of where i stand now um malice i'm leading malice but i'm also very interested in juche th- uh idea which is the dprk right um and that's uh the uh, the idea behind the revolution north korea's revolution so that's kind of been getting into lately but uh i mean yeah that's what you know and uh, chris has been super helpful in radicalizing me because with him and i our time all of our time like with t- talking in person texting all of our like so much of our friendship is what based off is it's bouncing ideas lofty, off each other. Yeah. And so like to be able for us to discuss all of these ideas continuously. Dialectics. We perform dialectics between right. each other. And it's really nice to like have Dave to bounce all this shit off, yeah, off, for sure. off of because like my my wife's probably firmly uh, <laughs> like like social democrat. Um like a uh farther like social democrat. Um Pretty pretty decent politics, but if she had to listen to me all the time, um, we oh, would be she, fucking, she would kick you. We'd the fuck be fucking out. divorced. <laughs> 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 but so, yeah, it, it, having someone that that's like, yeah, let's talk about this, really keeps you from being a cynical 
it, it does. Piece of it, shit, it helps really. Build, it helps build our own ideas, I think, is us being able to talk yeah. back. It's, it's Again, dialectics. Like, us, just our friendship and how we do work these things out has also helped me, like, fully um, embrace, you know, the dialectical method. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't have anyone really. I have, I've definitely, like, through memes and oh, shit memes like that. Memes super important, absolutely. And ex- exposing people to, like, some of the leftist podcasts that are out there, that's how I've kind of like tried to like, I, I kind of like have had that effect on people a little bit. Like even, even my birthday party this year I had, uh, so I blew up like all like, I had like red and black silverware. For, um, <laughs> oh, hell yeah! I had like, I had red and black balloons. I bought like Guy Fox masks for people to wear. I don't know. You had me up to that guy. That guy yeah, Fox that, mask. That kind of. <laughs> You're just a couple vape clouds away from growing a fedora oh, and dude, a neck when beard. I, so. When I uh, uh, when that movie came out, were we in high school? I'm I'm reclaiming all this shit that has been destroyed from my like formative years, like Fight Club. You know, with like the snowflakes, that shit yeah. has been reappropriated. Yeah. Fight the Club. Fucking, Rip, the fucking Trumpsters so have also reappropriated like God Emperor from Dune. Like all this shit from my like formative time has been reappropriated. It's fucking I don't like it. I'm pissed. <laughs> no, my younger brother who who falls is some kind of shade of Leninist, of a Marxist Leninist. Um he uh is really into like the Norse mythology and Vikings and shit. He's the only person yeah. on the left. Because yeah, that's that. like nothing and but like, white supremacists. He, he was talking about like, I don't think he'll actually ever get a tattoo. But, uh, not to dunk on my brother, but... Um, nothing wrong with not having no, a tattoo. I know that, but okay. he talks about it all the time. Anyway, um, and he talked about getting like some sort of like Norse thing or like runes or something. I'm like, oh, don't do that, man. People are going to think you're a white supremacist. <laughs> You can thank black metal for that. Black metal is the reason. Oh that yeah, people... black metal because that's not white supremacist that's at what I'm all. Saying. And so much of like their themes are are uh, are, are Norse are, Norse myths. Yeah, yeah, Norse myths, but like also white supremacy because you know. But also, yeah. the gods Norse, were white. The, yeah, the Norse people were white, and we should retake our own. Land. And I mean that plays into like the Teutonic myths and stuff that the fucking SS was all and sort of. I guess at least adjacent to, in a right. sense. Oh yeah, right. yeah. That was their whole with yeah, Wagner, I, Wagner, and all that kind of Parsifal and shit. Yeah, I remember. I took my freshman year of college. I took a like a music history class, and when we discussed Wagner, um, the professor pointed out how he was so closely tied to uh, to like the Nazis, the God Odin. <laughs> yeah, because of, because of like the. Norse mythology that that like he would try to uh, create a soundscape for, so to speak. But also, what was he German? Yeah, I can't remember. yeah, definitely. Because uh, I think at one point Wagner and Nietzsche were kind of close con- no friends or something like that, yeah, and they kind of split. Huh. Wonder who had the better politics there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, until it depends on how much you believe, as far as because uh, I think Nietzsche's sister was really more so impactful in his shit getting co-opted by the Nazis than like his actual oh, I didn't beliefs know that. themselves. Huh. Yeah, because no, he kind of like, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he contracted like syphilis and that shit, so he started to get fucking legit brain worms the brain yeah, worms yeah. yeah towards the end and so she would like roll they would like roll him out 
when he was all fucked up and not even coherent. Oh Christ! No but there's also shit. like so fucking. Uh, I don't know if you guys, if y'all are familiar with Martin Heidegger. He is a super influential in philosophy. One of the you know acclaimed greats of the 20th century was a literal like he was officially a fucking Nazi. Jesus Christ! What was like his area of like expertise? I guess like, he was focus. sort. He was sort of uh, existential adjacent, um, kind of an in between. Um, so I think uh, phenomenology is something that he was is more so known for, but he oh. was active up until like I think the fifties. No shit. I mean, but you was have... like a legit Nazi and never really recanted from that position, but is still someone who's looked up upon as one of the greats of all time. So Jesus I don't know. Christ. When you get into that shit, it's super complicated to desegregate. You know. I mean, there's so many of that. Like the names are so like, yeah, I know, yeah, I know him, Nazi, yeah, I know that. But I have. I mean, right. obviously, if I read anything, no, because he wasn't, you know, that's someone <laughs> that someone would avoid, which it's not surprising, you know, for someone like, um, it's not surprising to be an existentialist and also like a Nazi, I think. Not that all existentialists are Nazis, <laughs> but I think. I mean, Sartre was, a, Sartre was a communist. Right, right, okay, right. And he's so like one saying, of the most well-known. I feel like that does, in a sense, can make more sense with some of the ideologies behind Nazism because you're not going to, you're not going to, take a more materialist philosophy and come out as a Nazi because if you're taking more of an actual looking at material conditions right. instead and, of some idealism and that, yeah, then you're not going to get, yeah, you're not going to get, cause the whole concept of, you know, leadership and a, and a supreme being that's p- all just pure ideology to begin with. Right. Yeah. And the fact that if you cleanse people because the color of their skin, that's ideology, right? that's not <laughs> material. Yeah, exactly. But, um, Yeah. Yeah, so you want to? We can s- talk about Maoism. Slide on yeah, let's the- let, let me hear about Maoism because uh, so I've just to I guess situate you both. I've not read I've, so I've not read much actual Marxist theory. Definitely haven't read Lenin. Obviously, that you know dovetails, and I haven't read Mao. And so you know, I'm still pretty much I'm an ANCOM essentially, right? Um, maybe with some like post civ. <laughs> sort of I'm I'm sort of in that weird like maybe I'm kind of going post civ I think the more and more I think about it but uh, hey yeah, you can I'm, be you can be ancom but if you're a fucking an prim I'm hanging <laughs> not an, up no, right not now. an prim I don't <laughs> want <laughs> I don't want to destroy civilization <laughs> and revert back to something but I think that like at some point maybe we've got to check this this shit is just like an unsustainable for right, both. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, there's, um, you know, so, um, actually, I want to start on the Maoism question because <laughs> look, um, Chris is uh, more knowledgeable in that regard because okay. it, um, how kind of how we're working now um, is I'm still like I've been studying like so many events in the history of the Russian Revolution for like the past year. I'm still stuck there. Chris is much more knowledgeable about the actual Chinese and. I'm like, yes, Russia's cool, but everyone fucking there. everyone fucking jerks off about I'll it. I'll get the left. I'll get to China eventually. And like <laughs> I know here and there, but I'm still like so stuck in the Russian and the Leninist ideology and everything he's done because I'm still there's so much to take in from there, so I'm still there. But I do still have some um, obvious uh, knowledgeable about mass line and stuff, and uh, with us. With us here at the, because um, obviously we are we're wobblies. We're part of the IWW. That's who our podcast is for. 
And I know, and West Virginia IWW, word up. Yo. And International workers of the world. Is that right? Industrial workers of the Industrial world. Industrial workers yeah. of the world. Okay. Yep. All right. Fuck yeah. Close. So, uh, which some people may question, well, how can you be malice and be part of the IWW? It's very easy. It's called we're the only fucking organization right? with any people. Yeah, seriously. Here. It's called living in the United <laughs> States. In the <laughs> like, what the fuck are you going to do? Like, Jesus, give me a break. Um, Right, but we still have. I myself, I think more so than Chris, um, but we still do believe in it. I've, I'm very more of a uh, radical unionist. I, th- um, which, um, in other words, I believe I think that currently the revolution can and only really can happen through in America through this radical unionism. Through the beginning, I mean, no, I don't disagree with. I that think entirely. that we need to organize workers first before yeah. we do perform any sort of vi- you know violent takeover, um, but. And, and that's a part of what the IWW we can use one of the main concepts that we can still uh, do of Maoism is the the concept of dual power. So we, where we can still build yeah. a community. Yeah, because what's interesting with with uh, first real quick, there is a difference between uh, now. I'm not the most well-read Maoist. If you wanted a well-read Maoist. Um, I'm sorry, but uh, you picked the <laughs> wrong fucking person to come on your podcast. But uh, no, so in China, um, actual Maoism as an ideology did not come about until like the late 80s, early 90s. That was the Communist Party of Peru, yeah, right? Is the ones it that was really the Shining Path, it. yeah. Um, and China kind of followed the uh, followed Mao Zedong thought. Um, and some of it's been appropriated into Maoism, some of it hasn't. Um, but primarily what I think I really take from Maoism and what, um, like, like David said, uh, what we're trying to do with the IWW is this concept of the mass line and what the mass line does is it keeps, so with the working class, there's going to be a segment of the working class that has had the ability and the time and the resources to get educated in some capacity about um, any kind of class consciousness. Um, Dave and I would probably fall into it. We don't want to sound like we're some fucking grandiose, like magical wizards, but we have just happened to, as the chips fell, as they did, like we've fell into being able to develop a class consciousness. Um, And so these... Uh, working class people that have had this ability that have the class consciousness um, have to develop a class consciousness in their community around them. Um, And you kind of see this with um, probably my favorite uh, of these organizations, and I mean it might be in part because I'm American, but the Black Panthers, Um, especially in Chicago with Fred Hampton who was taken taken from the world far, far, far too soon, um, or far too young, I apologize. Um, I mean, sooner young work. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. But um, what what Hampton and the Panthers did was they they took um, like the poor black folks that may not have like known much more than I'm just struggling day to day and radicalized them. Um, they talked about uh, their their conditions. Um, he went to the Young Patriots in the uptown section of Chicago. And the Young Patriots were uh, displaced Appalachians that left because um, I apologize. That was my phone. Um, <laughs> that there was uh, 
the Young Patriots were uh, displaced Appalachians, um, and they'd moved to Chicago to find work because that was the beginning of the uh, uh, dwindling. It, this is the 60s. Um, the dwindling of um, the like economic security around here, you'd started to see coal slow down a little yeah. bit. See some so you kind of have like the Sun Belt movement. Or like yeah, uh, people yeah. start moving to the south, their job opportunities. Yeah, um, and so these folks like move to to Philadelphia, New York, um, and they're living in what are ostensibly what would be like quote unquote black neighborhoods. Um, they're in tenements. They're very run down. Um, they start to talk about how um, the cops are also brutalizing them. Um, the Black Panthers, and they discuss how there's the similarities, like, hey, the cops are harassing us, too. We can't find gainful employment. Um, this, that, and the other, like, fucking 70% of us are on welfare. Um, and through these tactics, they kind of built this class consciousness. And you're able to connect communities. Mm-hmm. And they connected all these different poor communities, because there's also the Young Lords, who were a, uh, a Hispanic group um, that under i think they were under the leadership of cha-cha jimenez and they just didn't do this with uh with like fellow like leftist organizations they did this with gangs in chicago right they would go to gangs and talk to like and actually talk to the gang leader and would say hey we not only do you want to hear and know about the issues that you're facing and that people in your gang are facing but let us help you and let us and they would submit their help to the to the conditions of these gangs which was nothing but and what's and actually, a real important thing. Sorry to cut you no, off. No, go Dave. ahead. A really important thing to understand about gangs that um, a lot of, well, of course, like the fucking average conservative doesn't fucking understand. Yeah, you were but, just gonna, you're just gonna say what I was gonna say next. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but another thing that a lot of fucking liberals don't get, and it goddamn kills me. I just want to chew their heads off about it. Gangs, gangs originated as like neighborhood. Uh, a lot of them originated as like neighborhood watch organizations. They couldn't trust police. Um, they police don't show up to these neighborhoods to protect. They come right. to just yeah, harass. Punitive reasons. Yeah, right. exactly. Um, and they had they had ways to put food on the table, whether or that protect was drugs themselves. or whatever. Yeah, and to they, yeah, they to were fight the, the material conditions. And gangs did this, um, and they would they would go and. Me. They would go and talk to these gangs, and they would say, "Hey, we can help you." And they would help uh, the kids being recruited into getting in through school and through getting like I, they would help them get out of the gang, even. And the gang, the gangs that they talked to, would allow this to happen mm-hmm. because they're helping the material conditions of them. And they would also submit literature. They these gangs, they would would sub, would literally they would just give these gangs a whole bunch of marks and shit. Yeah, they they passed out for fundraising. Um, the Panthers bought Mal's little red book. And would, like, sell copies of for, like, a dollar. And so, like, just the entire fucking, like, neighborhood would be, would, reading, would Mao. be reading Mao. And that's cool as hell. And what this creates is this, is this mass line, is what they're doing, is they're going to different segments of the working class of people who, who are unable, due to their material conditions and due to the stresses of capitalism, build their own class consciousness because they may not have the time for it. So they're allowing them to, to – to t- the mass line is going to these groups – and saying, what do you need? 
how can we help? Right. And listening out. Listening, and giving listening them, to your community first and foremost. And giving them the pride and dignity right. that they deserve as well, such as recognizing a gang leader. That The fact that you can do that, the fact that you will be able to have these conversations, because, you know, fucking uh, cops, you know, it's nothing but guns and fire. Right. You know, and because you can't acknowledge the power systems uh, that are working within the confines of the working class, such as the gang. And so – and that's that's kind of like the main ideology that we that we hold behind. That's what we're trying to hope to try to, to aim the build at the IWW here in right. West Virginia is is exactly like that. Like we take over, we're trying, you know, as Maoists, we actually see a lot of in uh, what was honestly a big part of Maoism before what Maoism came to be was the Black Panther Party. Yeah, and 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 a a real cool uh, like thing that 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 the Panthers did too, in addition to like building this kind of consciousness and being a defense unit because they would, they'd carry around big fucking rifles and intimidate the shit out of cops. Yeah. And they would, if they, uh, they, they, they'd, they'd have a shootout with, if a cop got uh violent. Yeah. The, if a cop pulled over a, you know, a fellow, uh, one of their brothers or sisters and right. they would pull behind that cop and all four, you know, four of them would get out with, with fucking with their uh, leather jackets, their berets, leather and their jackets guns, yeah. and AK forty sevens, and you know, and just stand there behind the cop while the cop pulled the uh, pulled that person over, and just make sure the cop didn't do anything. Yeah, um, and that is like we need that back. Like we, yeah. we need that everywhere. There's it, a story. I want to say this real quick, but there was yeah. a story the other day where a cop was chasing someone through a neighborhood. I, I sh- uh, and, yeah, I think I heard and, about this. I yeah, was gonna bring and, this up actually. And, uh, yeah, and a whole group of people armed came around the guy they were chasing and threatened the cop and told him to like they grabbed the bag of drugs from the cop <laughs> and said get the fuck out and the <laughs> cop left. Yes. And like we need more of that. We like, need that back. Um, because um, I, there's a couple couple things here. Um, real quick, in addition to like the defense, they also did like childcare programs for folks that. Uh, whether they were trying to do like community organizing or they had to work, um, they you- did their breakfast program, which they would also have like reading groups with. They would start to like have these conversations with kids in the neighborhood. The reason we have school breakfasts in so many cities is because of the is Black because Panthers. the fucking Panthers, yeah. Um, and also like along with cops because it seems like we're railing on that. Uh, that's I mean, our we flavor hate cops. We're, yeah. we're open that on our show. It's just, <laughs> You know, it's a common thing to talk about the tools of white supremacy. Yeah, but I mean, authority fucking sucks, period. And, and, <laughs> and one thing that I have found weirdly um, effective at building some kind of solidarity, because the beginning of solidarity is, first and foremost, if you're outside getting your mail or, like, taking your trash out or something and your neighbors, they're getting out of their car, feel free to say, hey, what's up? How was work? Uh, how's your night going? Yeah. Um. And, like, build a rapport with your neighbors. Like, be friendly. Like, don't be in your own, like, weird fucking antisocial bubble. Now, again, we understand there's a limit to this. Because, you know, for example, it's, you know, like, for the, I I live in a small town called Barnesville. And if you, like, I, I'm openly gay, but I can't, like, I, but I still can't be, like, openly gay in town. Right, because I will one get, fucking I will time get we harassed, were stopped, yeah. and we have been harassed for just <laughs> having long hair, yeah. like just walking through Barnes. Why shit you not? And they, uh, we got harassed 
by uh, a middle-aged dude, an old dude with missing a leg in a wheelchair, and a cop for yeah. like just having quote fancy hair. Yeah, I had my hair's brown, and I had like mine's long. Mine's and I just had long. I had the blonde top, kind of like what yours is, except my mine was like dyed blonde on top. But uh, yeah, so so if you're able, yeah, you to can talk you and, can. And, and here's the thing: you can fucking tell who those people are and. Who it isn't? They're like, wearing a neon green t- neon green T-shirt. Say the fuck away from them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you you can tell you you can feel it in your gut who wants you dead and 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 who's just an average Joe going about their life. Um, can you tell though? Because a lot of for the most part, I think my so. you know my dad evangelical uh, fascist there. He's the n- nicest guy anyone could ever talk to. He'll talk yeah, your ear I off mean, same, about yeah, the Cincinnati Reds, but. Reality, he wants gay people to die, and that's kind of, you know. Uh, that'll eventually pop up, though, <laughs> after that fucking small talk. Let's be real. Now, if you want to hear the more actual nuances on the reactionary working class that we're kind of bickering back and forth now, go listen to Mandatory OT, because we talk about that. <laughs> but but you will, to counteract Dave's point, you will very early, at least in the conversation, know who is and is not good. Because if, if there's a one-trick pony, you can only talk about one thing with this person. Explore, explore some new ground in your topics. See how it goes. Just tell them you're a gay communist immediately. <laughs> see the reaction, and then honestly, go from there. Honestly, a great way. It's a now, good now conversation starter. Um, yeah. <laughs> now we're hey, out. I like Dick and Stalin. What's up? And now we're ha- we're handing out like weird self help advice for you and your neighbors. <laughs> Fuck, chicken soup for the neighborhood soul. But uh, like. And one thing that people honestly, if you bro, if you broach a topic, people will talk about it. Is work, just ask. Yeah. Oh, what that's the, the fuck? top. That's, what do you do? That is the small talk thing you can bring up all the time. Like there's that's constant. Like one of the main small talk topics, small talk topics that you can have from people you just brush with with the store. Because I I create small talk with like so many people. P- yeah, standing in line at the store and. Work is like my number one and fucking one go to. And that's the thing that not even like I'll bring up. People bring up, well, they they're just got off work or they got to get up early in yeah. the morning or they just had a long day at work. And so, I mean, as work as the domineering thing in our lives, it's, it's, it's something that we can always talk. We can talk. We can always talk about about one thing between all of us. And that thing is work sucks. <laughs> oh, for sure. But and, and it's a funny thing that, that we're on this topic because um we were stopping to get some some booze before the show, and as I'm in line getting our mixer, um, <laughs> right in front of me is this this woman. She, I, she probably just got off a 12 hour shift. She was in scrubs, um, had her had her. Was she buying a glass of wine? She, she was buying. She was a, right before me. She was buying a fat fucking bottle. She of bought wine. the big old bottle of wine <laughs> in a kit in one like Kit Kat bar. Like, you know, <laughs> she had a long ass day. Yeah, at work, and, this and I was I was two seconds from saying long day at work. <laughs> But now nice. she she was trying to get the fuck out of there. Yeah, for sure. So, but well, she was a nurse. She had like a name tag yeah. that had like RN on it. Yeah. So you know, like in school, like if you're a nurse, every workday is a long ass day. Fucking a. So, so yeah, like uh, talking to your neighbors is, is a big part of building that solidarity because, and it sounds so fucking dumb, I know, and well, it sounds hard. so unrevolutionary, but the thing about it is that. Building something beyond the alienation that we're faced with every day, trying to break down the facade of rugged individualism, and even in some small way is, and even in some small way, 
kind of revolutionary yeah. because people will when you Fucking when people feel comfortable with their neighbors, they're willing to help. They're willing to yeah. build those support systems, and Absolutely. that is the beginnings of the mass line. Yeah, for sure. It, and the kind of intellectual—I don't want to say intellectual leaders because that sounds so fucking high and mighty—but I'm going to. But the intellectual leaders, the people that have the class consciousness, as they develop this, um, and as they like know the theory and have learned history, know what's going on, they can adapt how the neighborhood can go. And why also and how they, they will take care of these different issues, but they have to hear out uh, their communities and what these issues are. And not be ultra left, but also be like, oh, maybe we shouldn't use the C word yet. When it's like, listen, I think we can all say like socialism or communism. Like, well, socialism, that's one of the things. Socialism, I'm just going to say real quick because this obviously is a whole own thing. But I mean, socialism even now is being rebranded as just dem social or social. Yeah, yeah it, is it, really, it is so- really a lot aggravating. Of shit. So, I've, you know, we've been forced to just say communist because. When people right. say socialism, you're like the fire department. No, goddamn it! <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, we're talking about fucking abolishing the commodity form. <laughs> we're talking about democratizing talking about, the workplace. Exactly. We're talking about murdering the president. We're talking about <laughs> like we like we are talking about you know. Hell yeah. We're talking about no fly list. Here we come. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> socialism is—it's a revolution. That's what it is. You know, because like but, if we're going back to older older terms, there's building socialism, which is so a lot of countries are doing now, and then there's socialism, which we can get in arguments of this with all the left, which I think was a lot of what the Soviet Union was was socialism. <laughs> it was at me, um, and then I think there what you know the end goal was eventually what is communism, which. Um, which is one of the very few things that I actually do take from Trotsky is cuz fuck Trotsky but like one of the things I do take is the fa- is this the inter- you know the the international uh, revolution the permanent revolution, the permanent revolution because I feel yeah. like in the end to actually attend communism it's going to need to get it you have revolution. you can't yeah but, you can't have communism that, in one country but for that to happen yeah, we need national true. revolutions we need multiple countries right. working towards socialism yeah but it, I, I I don't know because I've definitely thought about this and I I 100% like agree with um how like dumbing down the word socialism is monstrously detrimental. It's it's been taken over by these opportunists also, like Bernie and it. it go ahead. It's very true. But also I think that. But even the right, I think the right called Obama a socialist. Remember that's right. very remember true. That, it, it, which I think totally fucking dis. Um, really just shows how fucking scared and pathetic they really are. And truthfully, like, just yeah. so disingenuous. Like, neoliberalism as socialism? Fuck you. Yeah, there's <laughs> no... I mean, it's just... I mean, they're equally non-class conscious, whether you're from the right or the liberal. I right. Mean, they're all right, but you know what I mean. <laughs> no, here's... The, the thing is, though... The U.S. dichotomy, we'll call it. There yeah. we go. Um, yeah. A couple... Uh, two points. Um, first is... I feel like the normalization of the word socialism has made at least using it a little easier. So in like those interactions, it's and just as destructive. It's that, good, no, it is, but also destructive. It, it, it's it's one of the very hard things to like, kind of uh, uh, balance out in my mind. Because like I said, it's easier to use. It's easier to start to talk about, but also at what cost? That cost is uh, we're not really talking about socialism right. on the national stage, but um. Something that's interesting, because you, you mentioned how it seems like conservatives and liberals, too, don't have this kind of class consciousness. 
is um well they're all in the same square on that political I mean, compass yeah, they're all they're, in that same little square which they're political all compass itself I feel like is inefficient. It's the best we got right now, but it's because still not. the authority, the authoritarian left wants the same thing as the uh, libertarian left. It's just like we how think do, how do we get there? Yeah. yeah, we think communalism ain't gonna fucking work. Look at look at Spain. Well, I mean, you gotta have one of the you know the main reasons that we have our disagreements with the anarchists. Uh, we still love you, but you know, <laughs> we uh, is, is I'm, you know, I'm I know that I'll die in the revolution. I just. I mean, I have my, I feel like, I mean, I might live through it just because I have, I did, um, I didn't talk about this. I should have in my, radic- in my radicalization. I was an SDNA for eight years and nursing assistant. So I can like help like take care of people. So I'd be on the medic side. So I think I'd be fine. <laughs> yeah. No, as like we're talking, I'm like, man, there's so many parts of my like radicalization story that I didn't even touch on. Well, yeah, I know. We're not, Fuck. Yeah, I mean, we, sure. <laughs> I mean, we're not going to make this a 10-hour thing. No, but, yeah, that's very um, true. <laughs> if it, you want to hear bits and pieces, listen to Mandatory exactly, OT. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, um, yeah, and that's, I th- so I think, I think I'd live, I think. But, um, like, the regular average kind of conservative, like, working person, like, that's working as an STNA or as... I will say this out there, though. Uh, the nurses, like, 99% of the... Not the S- fellow SCNAs. My fellow SCNAs had more cl- class consciousness than the nurses did. But the nurses I've worked with, 99% of them have been the most reactionary, awful people. I'm just putting... Um, but, like, uh, the retail worker, the guy that's... Uh, oh, yeah. Retail is where hierarchy is most fucking... Oh, yeah. Yep. Clear yeah. and just totally lets you know how fucked it is. Um, but like the warehouse warehouse workers or whatever, there is, I don't want to say class consciousness, but there's an understanding of kind of class and that they're, the, that what they have, they're never going to have what fuckers like Mitch yeah, McConnell or Trump will have. Yeah, once you start working for have. so long, you're like, oh damn, working hard doesn't give me money. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, it's- so they understand that and that's why they think, that's why people around here think, and I'm not going to like speak for other uh, poor communities but I think that um, the same can be said for for a lot of them. Like they go to church on the weekends, or uh, like black or white or, or Hispanic, um, and they work hard. They put in their their overtime every week. Um, but there, you know, there's still the there's still again how the class how the working class eats itself is because because of what you're doing to keep your material conditions, they're working overtime. Then it's just, it, look at the other people who, who are doing uh, around what you are, but maybe they don't work as much. Well, they're just quote feeding off the system. Right. Or they're just, we, I mean, that's something we see everywhere. That's because we're presented with a zero sum game because it, it, it's another, it's a, another thing of it's power because to take on the gigantic powers that be without any kind of quote unquote consciousness, without reading it all, Without understanding, um, and we can take on those powers ourselves, right? We can just right. be—we can be the dirty Harry with a large gun yeah. and just go out and just fight those powers. But in reality, we can't. We need. No, you have to inter- build alternative structures, and you're probably still going to get assassinated and tried. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but no, it's it's a long, arduous process, and a lot of that doesn't bode well for a lot of people. So it's it's a very hard sell, um, but. Shit, I totally lost my train of thought. That's okay. We uh, we do, and we haven't even been getting stoned for this. I'm proud of 
Um, but, I, no, what I was saying earlier was just that one of the reasons I do think um, issues I do have with anarchists um, <laughs> is is I, I do believe like once like a revolution has happened, once you know something as we move forward, there are always going to be counter revolutionaries. There are always going to be bourgeois enemies. There are always going to be those like we need a like we need we, we need, need hierarchy. It's good. Not hierarchy, <laughs> but like some kind of like we need a, a a state party or something that like defends us against. And you use the mass line to ensure the vanguard doesn't get away from the proletariat. Exactly Hell yeah! Exactly pounded. <laughs> but no, exact, and that's kind of how like, and that's how like Leninism goes into Marxism is the fact that I believe in a vanguard party. But Maoism, and that's how Maoism is the rupture from Leninism. Ex- we the- just said it like a like a couple of country rubes because that's kind of what we are <laughs> but the mass line hey man i'm prevents... a fucking i'm texas trailer trash so dude we <laughs> are from ohio white valley trash white trash hell. we get it um, so another radicalizing yeah. thing when i was when i was little um what well, wasn't radicalizing at the time but it's something I, I very frequently think back on and also feel monstrous amounts of guilt for it to the point where i've almost cried about it that one night you got really high and listened to judas alliance <laughs> no oh okay i don't know man <laughs> i figured you're a hippie go ahead <laughs> no um like it, it, i think i might have been like a, a freshman in high school and we were at aldi and i bought i was getting like a basketball because i wanted a basketball and for the groceries, we had to put some of the groceries back because I wouldn't put back the back the basketball. Oh man! And oh, oh my, that hurts. Like, I know. No, you're just a kid, you know. Like, yeah, right. Oh. And no, like even talking about it, I've like I want to cry. Um, I've I've actually done that with um, you know, my daughter's four. This will be go- You know, maybe she won't listen to this when she's older. But <laughs> like, I've had that where like I've had my daughter at the store, and like she wants like we'll go buy and she wants a toy, and I'm like. I got to put back these groceries for me. Like yeah. I've had to, you know, to make sure, I mean, my groceries, like I make sure she eats obviously, but like stuff that like, you know, I've, I've, yeah, I've experienced that. Yeah, I know. And, and I still feel guilt about it like weekly. <laughs> it's fucking wild, but um, I don't want her ever feel guilty for that. No. But uh, yeah, no, we had like an old bell post. Like we had like a bell that you'd ring at the top of it. And my dad put like an old piece of, of like plywood and then we cut the bottom off of a bucket. Like oh, we fucking, had an actual basketball like a, hoop in the barn. No, but like if you miss, <laughs> like you ice miss, cream bucket. If you miss, it go in the pen. So you had to make sure you had the hope that you didn't get shit on it. <laughs> so like, because if you like, it'd be fine, bounce off. But if you miss or like a right way, it would just go in the lamp pen, and then like you just like, oh my god, please don't. Because if there was, you had to go to the garden hose, spray it out, maybe you know, spray all the manure off of it, and go back at it. We got real fucking. But country then you had to dry it off over here because yeah, right. the barn had dirt. So you had to dry it off because if it was still a little wet, <laughs> the dirt would cling to it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. But, yeah, no, we, we built our own fucking basketball hoop, and it was the most white trash thing in the world. But, like, I just st- stand out there for hours just shooting poorly. Hoops. <laughs> Actually, I was a good three-point shot. I can't no, say I was fucking poorly. dog shit, dude. The only thing I was good at. But, uh, yeah, so it, it's – it's it, it's crazy to think about the radicalizing journey and the pains of guilt. I mean, and, it's all there. Shame. You know, it's all there for any of us. Yeah. For you know, for anyone listening, for anyone, it's um, or anyone That's you a, know, you will it's, feel that. It's okay to feel that. Um, just harness that anger, 
Go out into your community. Go out, talk. Go to out people. in your community and Help burn people. down your local Applebee's. God fucking damn it! Don't <laughs> burn, burn it down. down your Applebee's. That's Make sure no one's in there. I'll give you that. Like you know, except unless like the owner's in there. Like yeah, kill him. But um, <laughs> 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 oh, man. but that's it. You know. But um, so. Well, let me ask you. Let me ask you this. So the prim- yeah. the primary difference between Maoism and Marxist Leninism, to my understanding, is the difference between. So in Marxist Leninism, you have the vanguard party leads the revolution. Mao's um, deviation from that was organizing the peasantry in China, and them being the primary focus of the revolutionary movement, rather than just the elites. Uh, yes, that, yeah. that is a big main part of it. Um, um, a big part is how the uh, and the it, culture revolution was yeah, the like culture that. revolution. Um, yeah, let's talk. Yeah, tell me about the cultural revolution because I'm thinking in my kind of and again I haven't read Mao, so I'm thinking the idea being like we have to we have to create the new the new man right, and in doing so, we have to create the new material. Like we have to start at the bottom, so we have to sort of figure out. A way to shift these bourgeois attitudes into the new communist man. Exactly, um, and it ta- these- I, uh, to e- very easily put it as a country rube, um, it, it all ties back to the mass line. Like I love the mass line. Um, well, in the Cultural Revolution, you're right, and it's this idea of because, and it's something that's become more prevalent. And um, it, to me, as I'm as I as I as I learn, is you know we and one of the things that we that is a recurring topic. Uh, on our show and that we've even talked about a good bit already is our fellow reactionary working class and you need a some kind of culture revolution to to disarm that you need something that makes it click and go oh we should be standing shoulder to shoulder to take on the people above us right and we need to tackle and bring down gender norms we need to those those hierarchical or not not just hierarchical but uh uh my ears are perking uh, up over here uh, not, not just this hierarchical, but the uh, <laughs> the the bourgeois idealism, the, 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 these concepts that continue to keep bourgeois ideology in power because they support the ideology, like gender norms does, because gender norms already um, are are un- unliberating to women, for um, for example, and not just um, women assigned female at birth, but all women, including right. trans women. Yeah. These uh, we need to break those barriers down because I mean the companies make more off of you because on the gender binary just through toys right. and not just through toys but fucking razors women's razors are so all much more expensive everything <laughs> is gendered and, you know, and, and they're dog shit they are did you, so much worse did you see it uh, there is a diaper bag but it's manly you know like shit like that or like manly uh, my fucking manly dial soap wipes. My, my <laughs> manly like you can see like the toilet wipes for like if you have hemorrhoids or whatever oh, the Jesus flushable fuck. wipes they have them for men. Oh shit! You know, and that's I have I have to check that out next time. <laughs> yeah, I'm my d- my store. blue. Just my, use baby wipes. Dude. My dial for men. I'm not is wiping blue my, and has I'm not gonna wipe my ass with them pink packaging. God damn it! <laughs> it has, my ass will turn pink. It has right? fucking wounded poo on it. Turn me gay if I wipe my ass with this out of a pink container. <laughs> and you know there was a comrade. I'm gonna get some ma- anal gape if I wipe my <laughs> my ass with this. There was there was a uh, uh, comrade of ours on uh, social media. Who said? Uh, they said you know damn well that those people that you know those kind of like toxic masculinity people, those kinds of people, you know damn well they didn't wash their asshole in years. Like <laughs> they don't, like they don't wash their asshole in the shower. You know, and they're like, no, that's gay. 
They're afraid they're gonna slip. Yeah, they're gonna exactly. Slip the fit and they're gay. Like the what fit. kind of what kind of man are you? Are you gonna hop away from it or slide in? So they all. So yeah, they all, all those people. They got dirty assholes. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> wash your asshole. If if you can learn anything from this episode, it's wash your fucking asshole. But um, but yeah, I mean yeah, and that's just one way that uh, gender binary uh, supports capitalism, among many ways that you know um, allows men, because um, you know we obviously as through as Marxists we know that. Almost every base of society is based on on power uh, and class structures. So, like uh, you know, white men are able to stay in power just through gender norms because the gender norm. You can have these rad femmes who say empowering women, but by still enforcing the binary gender norms, right. you're enforcing women as homemakers. You're still yeah. enforcing, uh, you know, if women don't submit to these to these norms, then um, they're crazy, which still happens. You know, there's still diagnosis in the DSM that still get permitted like uh, 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 pers- borderline like personality disorder and hysteria stuff that still goes on today that gets um, attributed to just women who are unhappy with being forced into these roles so I mean that's, that's again we need to break all of that down because when you start some kind of cultural revolution which is still somewhat going on now which is through the um, which we can continue through empowering um, trans folks and through empowering uh, members of any members of the LGBT community, and I think that is a central part in in having a cultural revolution is tearing those down. Um, right, and that's just one small sep- uh, section. Uh, and again, uh, it's it's opening people up to having to breaking down their fucking rugged individualist walls and being willing to talk to if if I'm a some white dad at the fucking supermarket talk to the black woman in front of me talk to the the tall seven foot tall black guy in front of me like how's work like hear each other's stories out and that's a huge part of the cultural revolution is that well that's also too it'll change the perceptions of each other because and it's something that you see like we listen to street fight radio a lot um and one of the hosts on it always talks about how when he was at the cable company, he worked for Time Warner or some shit, um, that he worked with a Nazi, but the Nazi was friends with a black guy. And he's like, yeah, no, this this This, this guy's isn't okay, like, but the rest yeah, of Yeah, this, this guy's different. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm like, no, that's because all the shit that, that you think is, is false. Like, most people are like that guy. And um, it, it's kind of tr- like trying or to that fig- guy fits to iron into that his, out. He fits into like, you know, that guy may have been his uh, quote unquote black friend. I mean, he may. Yeah, he, he was may, the black friend. Yeah, right. Well, he may, you know, he. he I'm uh, friends with the black guy. I mean, come on. Yeah. Well, he, he lets me say the N word. He has the characteristics <laughs> that we would that we would deem white. Right. He probably right. has some characteristics that he's like, well, I'm OK with these characteristics. But, you know, as soon as they start sagging their pants and start waving those their guns around, well, I ain't going with no, you know, the thug, the T word. You know, I'm mean, saying is they'll be friends with a black person. But, but they ain't friends with a thug. With, exactly. <laughs> you know, that, they'll still, you know, raise that terminology. They're, but, they're friends with those that are there's black, but he's like us. Yeah. He's it, like us. Yeah. That's OK. Um, so, yeah, it's seriously just a just a huge matter of exposure to. To like I said, different stories. Um, I I can't harp on this enough. Like it's it's so fucking critical, but it's also it's, it's important too for the the cultural revolution. It also it for sounds like such a fucking like libby liberal idea, and I feel like it gets discounted a lot. No liberal idea. On the it, left liberal bit. idea is um is 
is just a, is a trans woman, but she's a CEO. That's the liberal. <laughs> a trans idea. woman, but she's right. a middle manager. But she's a yeah. yeah. That's, <laughs> no, exploiter, exploiter is an exploiter. So right. Um, so I guess do you want us to dive into? So yeah, we've been ranting this whole episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, like, or do you have shit to say? Like, that's perfectly fine. Like, I mean, I was gonna shit. I was about to shit on everything you guys just said, but uh, you know, oh, well, <laughs> I wanted yeah. to be. I wanted to be a good host first. <laughs> oh, be a good host by all means. No, nah, I'm fucking around. But uh, I mean, my take is this, um, and I'm extremely pessimist. You know, I'm. I'm essentially. I mean, you could call me a nihilist, I guess, in in some regards, in that. But I'm like a positive nihilist. Um, I try to take. Okay, let's hear. I this. try to take. I try to take the lack of meaning and be like, okay, well, if nothing means anything and there's no meaning, then why should I be so fucking worried about all this little minutia and bullshit? I should just not take it so fucking seriously and not allow the world to weigh me down. Although that's a lot easier to say than it is to do in practice. Oh yeah, but oh yeah. In in my opinion, the only thing that is strong enough to defeat capitalism as it currently exists is is climate change. To me, that's the only thing that capitalism can't absorb. Um, it's become so adaptive to everything. It just is sort of this just amorphous paramecium that just kind of like glides in and subsumes every sort of revolutionary energy or current and attenuates it um and i get you know i've given this example like a thousand times but like i don't know a a che guevara t-shirt is just a great example of how capitalism will just like eat everything yeah it's just this blob and to me the only thing that can create real class consciousness is going to be the collapse of things environmentally. And even then I'm not so hopeful that something positive will come out of that. But I think that's the only thing that potentially could really create revolution, uh, particularly in the, in the Imperial core. Right. And the reason I think that is because ultimately, you know, people are not going to want to give up their, especially in the, in the global North are not going to want to give up their cushy lifestyles to you know pay reparations or what have you to the global south and it you know we live in the u.s our standard of living would have to go down drastically to if we had an international sort of communist society and i don't think you can sort of avoid that and figuring out okay how do we create the new material for this for a communist society to exist i just don't see there being any way to do that other than some external existential threat i just don't i don't see it i i'm hopeful and i'm going to continue to spread the message and i think you guys are absolutely right about you know talk to your neighbor and that's one thing i'm sort of guilty of is just being this atomized individual and not interacting with other people because it's just it's easy to do i mean you're tired right you're beat down that's what capitalism does to us is um, atomize us so I don't know. I'm, I'm like I said, I'm a super pessimist, but I still feel like I'm gonna try to do, I'm gonna try to spread the message and create that sense of community, and because that's like the only hope we really have to survive right. as a, as a species is to build community somehow. Yeah, I, I think community is the biggest part, as as you can tell from my last rant. <laughs> but um, no, I was gonna say like y- how you said um the 
something about whatever the community have is. You, have oh. you ever read Desert? No, I haven't. Okay. Oh, God, read because it. what you were just talking about. It's depressing uh, as fuck. It's, it's, I love uh, depressing it's stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's, but it's uplifting, though. It's the same In time. the end, yeah, it, it is. Um, it's on, uh, do you know the Anarchist Library? Yeah, website? yeah, yeah. It's on there. It's it's by anonymous because I think it's actually a bunch of different authors. Okay. Huh. Um, yeah, so, I've heard, I think I've heard of this actually. Now that it's just, I think oh I've yeah, of, I think if I've you, seen um, it on Twitter. It's or a maybe? brilliant read. It's a very it's a nihilist perspective, nihilist anarchist perspective. But just read it. It's very um, it's very good. I think you from what you just talked about. I think you'd appreciate it a lot. <laughs> My very yeah. hopeful message for humanity. <laughs> uh, you know, just what we actually before we rec- before we started recording, we were just talking, and I said something offshoot, and I said, "Well, I honestly, I mean, best case scenario, the revolution is going to happen ten years before we all know yeah. climate right. change. You know, and it's going to happen, but too late." I think to sincerely piggyback off of what what Dave just said about it's going to happen, we'll, we'll all die ten years after the revolution. Um, before we go into organizing, because I think this might segue pretty well. Um, to build the communities and um, to organize uh, with your neighbors and organize um, with your your fellow workers, um, I think some of that groundwork will have to be done before we face climate change, like fully, totally head on. Because if not, if we face climate, like the monster we of climate ba- we change, we can battle it best together. Right. I, I mean, yeah. if we try to face it right now. We are so fucked because we are going full eco-fascist. Like, there's going to be water wars in the global south, and we are just going to genocide the shit. Not, not. Oh yeah, us we're going personally. Well, it's a great way. But like the the, the big superpowers are just going to genocide the shit out of because brown it's a people. great Let's way for real. the rich to continue to push push us against each other. Yeah. You know, where the water war, wa- you know the uh, the water issues that California has faced. Uh, um, it's not a drought it's because the that fucking, one fucking what's family their names? Uh, they have the palm water that's all i remember they uh it's a, it's the people who own fuji the resnicks um yeah, that's it. the resnicks own like most of the water in california and like the reason there's water droughts happen in california i mean yeah they're less on rain that's why that's kind of why but the main reason is why it's all these water reserves are owned by massive companies right that because they need all that water to to fucking water their pistachios to water pistachios are like to, in the grossest fucking sense, bottle and sell to us. <laughs> yeah, but. and so I mean that's and that's they're not going to be you know climate change and the reality if we keep going if we stay where we're at now in our stage of capitalism, it's it's we're going to be the victims twice over. We're right. the victims of not just the climate change, but we're going to be the victims of eco fascism. We're going to be slaughtered. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Like uh, yeah, like like I said, it's going to start with the global south. But you know what, rural Appalachians, um, and we're going to they lose can't extract that fight. A, they can't extract enough from from Appalachia. We'll we'll be we'll be on that hit list somewhere, for sure. Well, who was it that uh, we had a guest on, and they mentioned the fact that um, Appalachia is going to be the new fertile land. Um, you know, after like the horrors of climate change start to take oh no, back. I read that. That after with the horrors of climate change and like when Florida's underwater, um, Appalachia is going to be um, like one of the most fertile spots, and you're going to see um, a gigantic boom in the like Rust Belt cities of the Great Lakes, so like, like as people in like Miami Detroit, drown. Milwaukee, Minneapolis, 
are going to blow up and become like the next LA yeah, or New I York mean, City. Yeah, I mean, it makes because... sense. I mean, Texas will be unlivable before too long. Oh, yeah. It kind of already is. <laughs> <laughs> Especially uh, in Austin with all those fucking gentrifiers. Oh, it's, it's so bad here with the gentrification. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Columbus is real bad with it, real bad. And then uh, Pittsburgh's really bad. Um, yeah, Pittsburgh's the wheeling starting because you're seeing those big uppity yeah, apartments are getting lofts, built. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, gentrification's happening in wheeling of all places right now. Yeah, I mean it's not fucking working, but <laughs> the revitalization of wheeling. Hey, wheeling, you need something that draws people besides your fucking twelve hundred dollar a month apartments. There's but, nothing in wheeling to draw people except the other members of the working class that you should unite with. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as organizing, I mean, we we discussed a yeah, lot of it with the mass quick. line. But did you want to discuss like? Do you? Yeah, I mean, I feel like we we hit a lot of organizing points when when I ran it about the mass but, line. Well, but what, do you guys? Do, we want to do you have any? Um, so I mean, are you are you out organizing on sort of a a weekly basis, yeah. like on a monthly basis? Tell me a little bit about like the actual okay. on the ground sort of. Hell yes, yeah. I was going to ask you know, if that's yeah, what you wanted yeah. us to talk about. The actual, yeah, the nitty-gritty element of that and what that's like and kind of the environment and the challenges there because I'm kind of curious um, as well. I mean, coming from a rural community, I mean, I don't think it's as hard to build that sort of thing in Austin because it's a little bit more open to that, but I'm just trying to think how the fuck would I possibly mo- mobilize the folks that I sort of grew up with, and yeah, I can't or, even I mean, it's, think of it's how tough. you would possibly even try <laughs> It's a learning process, and we're still Oh, learning. hell yeah, it is. Um, um, we actually go tomorrow to learn much more. Yeah, um, we have an organizer training. We have some, a couple wobs flying in from Twin Cities, IWW. And I think uh, one, of, one of our fellow workers in our chapter said that I think that there's 20 teachers, because it, it's, it's education-based, um, and there's 20 teachers. Wait, did we lose you? No. Are you there? You there? Yeah. I lost you for a second, though. Oh, okay. okay. Um, yeah, so we have this organizer training um, tomorrow, actually. Um, and Twin Cities IWW folks are flying in to, uh, to do it for us. And it's education-based because of the West Virginia teacher strikes. And one of our, uh, our really active uh, WVIWW members is a teacher. In the and IWW, that um, I mean, the West Virginia IWW has really stemmed from the the West Virginia teacher strike. Right, it has. Nice, because that's when Brendan got in touch with me. Um, was I wanted to organize my workplace, which ain't gonna fucking happen. <laughs> we we'll really get, are. We'll get there in a minute. Um, uh, we had, it has its own challenges, but yeah, we are. If, uh, to talk about the West Virginia IWW in general, we are. Um, it's, it's where we really came from. Was the teacher strikes? Um, we have teachers. And there, um, in our organization, and there are other uh, radical teachers more than you would think in West Virginia. Well, I mean, again, how would the strike like that happen? Right. West Virginia has a cool history yeah. in that um, you have a history of radical unionism um, in the uh, in early 1900s with the Cold Wars, um, and then also in Pittsburgh, you had the uh, shit, the Homestead Strike, which was uh, whatever Henry. Clay Frick, I think it was Steel, um, and Mother Jones was in in this area, like the Pittsburgh, Ohio Valley, um, Southern West Virginia, um, and she was organizing a lot of workers. Um, I believe even like Haywood. I know Wheeling was one of the first stops 
um, Eugene Debs made when uh, he was really pushing for organization in well, the building Wheeling of was, a socialist party. Wheeling was on, uh, at that time, Wheeling was on pace to be like Chicago. Or yeah. That's what people think of, you know, a lot of people I think forget about is that Wheeling was was on pace to be one of the biggest cities in the country So a- around that time, which obviously didn't now, fucking happen. Knew. But you see, um, there's this like unionist history. And even like my uncle um, is still like a union guy. Um, and there's kind of that pride to it. And it, it's kind of like they romantic it's romanticized a little bit um, by the folks that weren't in um unions who's like dad or like their granddad were in a union they talk about like the solidarity and whatever um so there is like a pride around it and like if you go down to mate Juan, um which excuse me or like blair mountain yeah those are kind of like the ground ha- zeros of a lot of conflict, yeah they have yeah. reenactments like every year and those people love the history actually um the county with um, that that has Blair Mountain. I'm I'm blanking on. It. I think it's Mingo. Um, was the first one to say "fuck you" to union leadership it, with the first teacher strike, and say we're going wildcat. This three percent raise is fucking dog shit. You're not doing anything for us. Um, it again, like so you have the history. You kind of have something to lean on, um, which which helps a, a little bit. But it, it, it's something that uh, I mean, we're still building you can, you can new. Use. Um, I mean, a lot of we ha- we have a lot of we have a lot of really like members our age, uh, young members. Yeah, that are really coming yeah. about too. Um, as far as what what we're doing, um, you know, we're it's it's been tough. We're right now we're we're, we're mainly in the recruitment stage, um, but um, we're getting together like some like a clothes closet. Which yeah, would we have. Sorry to cut you off. No, we go have, ahead. Real quick, we have um, like our, our main focus areas are Morgantown, um, which is home to uh, West Virginia University. For those that don't know, um, you have the Eastern Panhandle, which is like it really bleeds over with like the western half of Maryland, and it's like a bedroom community for DC. Um, and then you have us, the Northern Panhandle, hour away from Pittsburgh. Um, which also covers some uh, counties on this side of Ohio. Yeah. Um, which would be like uh, Guernsey, Beaumont. I think did we cover Jefferson County or yeah, Harrison? Jefferson, Monroe. And so we have these three hubs, and we have some comrades in the eastern panhandle that are just trying to get some more like anti-fascist, uh, like not anti-fascist, but yeah, fascist, but anti-racist uh, work because there's a lot of like Patriot Front stuff that's like popping up on the Eastern Panhandle. And for those who don't know, Patriot Front is a white supremacist group. Yeah, the, yeah. Um, so they're trying to combat that mostly. Um, and what is a very simple like, it's, it, just seriously, just like driving around, scoping out, um, like play the sites in like towns that this activity is popular. And then just patrolling it, making sure that, like, they don't post more flyers or stickers or whatever. And just removing that, just trying to just completely fucking block it from anyone's conversation. Which, again, it sounds small, but this shit's fucking huge. Like, because you don't know what If you're not careful, white supremacists can yeah. get a full-hearted yeah. foot in this area and not have much issues. Yeah. I mean, they could really grow if, really if play they on were the, let to. Play on the, that anxiety that's brought on from it 
from us being told it's a zero-sum game. So, but yeah, it, um, I mean, the, um, tearing down fascist propaganda is a yeah. lot of the work that we've been doing so far, um, whether that be online or in person. Uh, there's been talks about us, uh, uh, like, helping, like, protecting people against protesters to plan uh, parenthood. Yeah. Um, there's stuff like that that's in the works, uh, uh, forming a GDC, a General Defense Commission, or committee, um, for things like these. Um there again, um, we're looking towards. Um, we're building things like the clothes closet. We want to yeah. build. We're gonna. Um, I can't remember which the Southwest one of the um, Ohio S uh, SRA Social Northeast Socialist. Ohio uh, Socialist Rifle Association. Um, we're trying to um, once we get all of our ducks in a row, because uh, like I said, we just like which, are in the chartering process. Yeah, we're actually yeah we're still in the chartering char- chartering process. This um, is the West Virginia IW. I mean, the, our podcast started. Like a little bit right before, really the IWW, yeah. and then it just kind of and we started just, like, working together. It. Yeah. Um. But um, the Northeast Ohio SRA, um, we think we're going to partner with them for like uh, self defense kind of thing and like uh, first aid and uh, CPR medic training classes, free because CPR medic uh, train classes to people who can. Because what is super cool, and we can open that if we feel comfortable to, um, like non-IWW folks because around here people do like guns they like to go out to the range they like to hunt um that's common ground that we can have with a lot of a lot of people really and it's part of going back to what we talked about it's part of building dual power so by giving people more abilities to defend themselves and, and perform CPR there's less reliance on the on police yeah it can give communities more more self reliance more um um independence yeah, and we, I think Dave and I have floated the idea of figuring out how to do, um, like, not quite needle drives, but trying to get, like, Narcan out, because we're in the middle of the, smack dab in the middle of, that's like, one of our favorite things. opiate epidemic. I mean, opioid we, epidemic. that's a whole other thing we, we could have had an episode on is, oh, you know, what, you know, the, the opioid uh, epidemic, and we, we live right in the heart of it. Yeah. Um, and... If if you go outside, t- like, talk to your neighbor. The fucking theme of this episode. If you talk to somebody around here, I will fucking bet all the money on my goddamn debit card. Everyone that here. Everyone in some way has been touched by pills or heroin. Every single person you talk to, whether knows that's family, or had a, a friend, something. Every person you talk to, I, I I I'm not exaggerating. Every single person you talk to in our area. Has lost has a heroin story because due to the opioids. Every single person, I mean us included. So yeah, I mean it it's, is it's it fucking is, wild. It is unreal how real that that is, and that's that is in in we're the only. I mean I hate to say this, like we're the only ones, but we are. We're the only ones, you know, and it's us and with the IWW that are actually discussing the fact that this is happening because of you know capitalist alienation, because of these companies, because of multiple. Because instead of having a universal healthcare system where people can get the care they need on the first fucking try. We have insurance companies that are telling us, no, try treatment A, try treatment B, try these pills, try treatment C. And then when everything's fucking worse and you've wasted all this money, they're finally like, okay, go ahead and do this treatment. And like with my dad, he could have had this a surgery. When, when he had the surgery, there was a 50-50 shot that it was going to like fix his issue. It fucking didn't. Um this was like three years down the line. And I'm like, and when I talked to my dad about, um, 
like universal healthcare. I'm like, how can you not like be someone that's really, really on board with this? He goes, Chris, the surgery would have been 50, 50 either way. Like whether or not I fucking paid for it makes no difference. I'm like, yeah, it kind of does. I'm like, well, <laughs> that statement is true. Like, yeah, it, it, but the doctor even said, had you had this earlier on and not tried all these different fucking things, the physical therapy that may have even actually been worse for him. Had you not tried all these things, had you gotten the surgery you needed first, maybe you wouldn't be living a Christ awful life. And I think that that, that's a huge mission. Like, like I said, we want to try to get Narcan out there. We want to educate the community um, because it's very simple to use um and and don't fucking call the police because that's why people die block 911 from your phone (laughs) yeah people die because their friends are high as shit because life fucking sucks and they're afraid that they're gonna get carted away to jail you can't call 911 right call you know call the police and because because of the repercussions of that right you're high um and your friend ods you call the police what are the reparations for both you and your friend because mm-hmm. of drugs at the scene? And, but, you know, that's... And paraphernalia. Like, there's all these charges. And like, there's very... React, uh, you know, as a person who's worked in the healthcare facility for a long time, those people saving you, a lot of them think you deserve to be dead. Right. You know, because of you overdose. I mean, that is a very common conception among the among the working class, the reactionary working class, and part of the, our enemies, and part of the... Our, not just our enemies, but stuff that we... Uh, ideas that we really need to break into when we try to make our fellow members conscious is is the is the ideology that these the idea that these these people do not deserve to die you know people who are addicted to drugs who have succumbed to the issues of uh, of, of capitalism to be you know to right. be to be overbroading but still true on that concept and that's you know that's that's a really what a lot of organizing is 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 trying to make your fellow you know working class the people around you conscious of the fact that there is a ruling class and they don't care about you and you could you say that organizing is building the mass line it's (laughs) (laughs) yes yes it's building the mass line but yeah uh, and like a lot of our a lot of our work it's it's in the very early stages as far as like the community organizing goes um the worker organizing um Brendan is really on top of. He's a huge part of, um, like, the teachers um, up in this area. Like, the the I'm not sure what, like, the proper word would be. Um, like, just the conglomeration of the different – of the unions at the different schools. Um, we also have um, – we're going to look into – lot. there's a lot of healthcare facilities around that are not yes. um, unionized. Uh, there's a lot of nursing homes because the Ohio Valley is very – there's a lot of geat- uh, geriatrics here. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, hell yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of nursing homes. I mean, I live in a town with less than 5,000 people, and there's three nursing homes. I was about to say four. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, or, <laughs> So, yeah, well, three nursing homes and a retirement home, <laughs> and which is just another nursing home. But uh, some a retirement <laughs> community. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and uh, but it's yeah, it's just it's just a nursing home. But uh, I mean, yeah, and that's that's I lose. I mean, yeah, that's I lose. I lost track because <laughs> now I'm thinking about the semantics. Of yeah, that, but so what Brendan's doing is um, and there's there's oh, a weird sorry. swath of oh, yeah, go ahead. I do remember go ahead, now. Dave. Um, yeah, we're looking at like uh, because of healthcare facilities that are so every 
I've worked at uh, five different nursing homes um, throughout the years as I've moved about and switched jobs. Every single place, every single healthcare facility is understaffed, underpaid. I mean, I'm making sure, like, I'm the first line of defense against your grandma not dying, and I made ten fifty an hour. Um, before that, I made nine dollars. I was an hour. just about to say. Um, yeah, so like it's you know, and that's you know that's what uh, um, a field that we're looking towards. There's also a service industry because the service industry is the new manufacturing class. You know, your factory workers before are now the service industry. Yeah, they were the uneducated. They were thought of as But you just can't buy a house on a service industry where you could on a, you know, a a manufacturer's salary in 72. But, yeah, the – and what we're doing with, like, the teachers is that there is – a, a swath of teachers that are of the more like radical um, ilk, whether that's like even like sock Dems to like democratic socialists. And then there's some like Brendan, like anarchists. Uh, there's some, some Marxist Leninist, like Hoorah. kind kind of uh, folks. And it, a lot of that is trying to take like the more sock Demi people, push them to the left, which is, in part, what, what what I think we're trying to do with the organizer training and for the people that are going there, um, what we're, like, sending them out to do with the different, like, tendrils of, of the of the weed. And just, like, us, as, and also, too, because part of our organizing is, is what we do in the podcast. And what that really is is we're really just kind of the uh, PR, yeah. I guess. I mean, yeah, you know, we go on, you know, po- you know, like your podcast and stuff, you know, we really try to just – you know, talk more about, uh, for example, talk about the, what we do poorly, but we talk about what we do. <laughs> the uh, the West Virginia IWW was it the Facebook page is actually the most popular yeah. um, IWW yeah. page on social media right now. Nice, which so, is which is super cool. Yeah, even more awesome. popular than like the national one. So like we're trying yeah. to just you know the podcast we're really just just trying to be Get like, hey, out. here you know the IWW is still you know it's important, it's relevant. Um, it may not just the IWW itself, but the ideologies of unionism. Uh, uh, building leftism about building, you know, solidarity among the working class. And then also let's talk about like, um, not just about theory in our shows, but dick we and do, fart jokes. I mean, we do make a lot of <laughs> dick jokes, um, and a lot of cum jokes, but, uh, you know, there's also, um, uh, about like pro issues. Like we talk about the opioid epidemic. We talk about the food deserts that are a huge problem in Pittsburgh. Oh, we it, talk about not just Pittsburgh here. I mean, it's true yeah. too. I mean, in here, and we talk about, um, uh, worker alienation. We, uh, we, it's going to be in a month or two in the making right now. But we're trying to build up this big episode on oil and gas and how they influence state boards and stuff. Yeah. Um, around the here, state, which they do. The they school have boards, the school, I'm everything. sorry, the school boards like they have wrapped around their finger. Um, we're really going to try. You know, that's Appalachia, uh, Ohio, is its own. Uh. uh its own it has uh, a very beast. interesting very hard dynamic to pin down because you do have a lot of really cool really fucking radical history but as w- but but we it is all... also very reactionary because labor has been a alienated b the mainstream labor unions have alienated their workers by being in bed with the employers and so the same people that would benefit from these unions from and just the unions having leaders don't that are, trust it. And these, and, you know, the past union leaders of these big uh, state un- or these big uh, company unions are—they're uh, all been you know run by reactionaries. They've all been run by people who favor um, white men. You know, white Anglo-Saxon men. Right. But and here at the IWW, we don't care what you are. 
Yeah. Seriously, any if anyone wants to wants to talk about it, fucking add us on on Twitter. Something. I don't. Seriously, let's just open conversation. But uh, is there anything else? Anything you want to? I feel like I'm hosting yeah, your right? podcast for you. I mean, <laughs> um, I'm just here. I'm just here to, to facilitate the conversation, in in many regards. Um, it's kind of interesting the juxtaposition because in Texas we're we're a right to work state, so there's no oh, yeah. like it's you know sort of a uh, the structure is designed to sort of prevent union from the unions from even getting a foothold just from period hold, yeah and we've um i think we had we, we and we've talked about the right to work and stuff obviously too on our own show and it's right to work it's funny because like when they like when they bring up to defend right to work they'll say well look all these companies are doing better on right to work states yeah no shit but but yeah you make you, <laughs> you make don't a fucking lot less. understand anything about capitalism workers make a lot metric. less if you, and right oh, to work yeah. states like it is it is i mean it is noticeable oh, for sure union ship goes down companies have more profit because they're paying out less to the but laborers that's what matters. No when, like, when they present the right to work numbers they say these companies make more money and therefore that's better for everyone that's like the whole when people talk about uh, uh i'm gonna a little rant, many rants. <laughs> oh, not, not a big one, but it's just like when you people talk about. Well, Venezuela was this rich, huge, wonderful place beforehand. No, it fucking wasn't. But the rich people lived who were rich in Venezuela, like they are in the United States, lived really well, and that's how we gaze how under a bourgeois view. And that's of, whose story yeah, economics too. That's the only focus on how well are your rich people doing? Because yeah. motherfucker, the proles ain't, ain't out there shouting from the rooftops to the U.S. how they're doing. They're struggling to get by. Exactly. But that's how the, the look at how many luxuries are in a country. That's how well it's doing. Yeah. And that's why people say, well, Venezuela's garbage now. And that's well, because there's not these excessive rich luxuries anymore. Peasants they only have one, they only have one kind of toothpaste. Yeah, we don't need thirty six fucking my, brands. That's my favorite shit. Is CNN said you can't buy toothpaste, and then like immediately some journalists like filmed the whole thing and just went to Venezuela. Immediately went to a store and was like, "Oh no, there's toothpaste. It's all <laughs> fully stocked." Yeah, it, it, Texas is sort of the epicenter for this sort of shit because it's really, you know, it's a race to the bottom. And you see this with sort of the Amazon headquarters shit that was in the news a while back. Yeah. Is, it's just like the competition to offer the biggest tax cuts to the hugest <laughs> corporations and the richest people in the world. Which is fucking wild. Oh, I'm terrified because Joe Manchin, <laughs> you see that? He's all like... He's all like, Amazon, come over here. Right. God damn it. Uh, I mean, gonna... Manchin is pretty terrible, but I, I've got fucking um, Ted Cruz as one of my senators. I, that's true. Who Ooh. couldn't, like, it, Beto, Beto couldn't even beat Ted Cruz in Texas. That's Beto's, how fucked Beto's politics are in fuck. Texas. You know why? It's because he didn't stand on enough counters. Uh, right? <laughs> he would have stood on, like, four more counters. He would have won. <laughs> Uh, it's so terrible. Yeah, as, as a Texan, as a Texan, how do you feel about Beto? I, I, I gotta know. I mean, I, I've given up on electoral politics having any relevance or any sort of meaningful change yeah, already. So, yeah, like, same. I gave that shit up a long ass time ago. Um, I was, I figured he would lose to Ted Cruz, just knowing that Texas is just, you know, you have a few urban areas. Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, um, Austin, that are more liberal, but you have just a huge constituency of small towns, like the small town that I grew up in, 
that oh, yeah. are very reactionary and conservative and they live in these bubbles and you know time doesn't pass <laughs> and you know it's like going back home is sort of like going back 20 years in the past yeah so and like i said before i asked you about organizing it's just i can't even imagine trying to organize anything remotely close to to anything with even a liberal i mean like i said even beto in the in Texas can't get elected to Senate against I mean, Ted Cruz. I mean that is a pretty damning in itself. That's <laughs> Beto isn't even a that's liberal. the like that's the hell that I live in. So <laughs> yeah, and, and Beto's a pretty conservative. Yeah. Oh, Democrat exactly. Too. So that that's the hell that I'm in, and that's why I'm so fucking pessimistic because there feels like there's no fucking hope. <laughs> so is it weird, like being, for example, like Ted Cruz is. I mean, I can say pretty consistently outside of Texas, there's not a single person other than, like, my dad who, like, doesn't think he's a total <laughs> joke. So what's it be like being in a state no, so, where he won an election? So you've got to be, and, like, know quite a few people who don't laugh at him. Here, Real like, quick, b- before you answer— Or do answer, you not know anyone that doesn't laugh at before him? Before you answer that, this area during 2016, before Trump secured the nomination for the Republicans— there was a weird fucking proliferation of like Ted Cruz signs everywhere. It was fucking wild. Like oh, people, I forgot people about were that. into Ted yeah. Cruz here. Shit. Uh, I mean, I don't travel in circles that would support Ted Cruz. Really, I had uh, a few. I try not to post anything political on my Facebook, but I did have a few uh, random yeah. ones here and there that drew out some I've, some ire from the conservatives. I've gone past that. My racist aunt has seen, has I'm pretty sure has seen a picture, has seen many pictures of Stalin on my Facebook page. It posts, it posts a fuck cops. Me, or, uh, oh, yeah. A, I got, a cops beat, 60% of cops beat their wives. I meme. was at like, uh, like around 700. Well, on my new Facebook, I had to get it a whole new Facebook because it got hacked, but by, uh, by Chinese. <laughs> but, uh, by fucking malice. <laughs> As before, I was a comrade. So it's it, cool. was, it, but, it was President Xi himself. But it's like President Xi. I, I like I had like around set like one of my I had around like seven hundred or so friends on my Facebook, and then like you know I like my brother-in-law is a cop, and um I don't and he's a piece of fucking shit. Um like then he's that means nothing. But it, um that's the but uh I finally just was like fuck it. Started posting like anti-cop memes. I went from like 710 to like 320 in the span of two days. <laughs> like I'm just, I'm just, I'm just posting and be like, you know what? Fuck cops. Like it was amazing. Like it was just easy to clear all that 60% out. 60% of cops beat their wives. Don't forget. Oh man. Oh yeah. Always, always refresh. That. Tell everyone, you know, that like almost <laughs> half of cops beat their wives. Oh, this just reminded me actually more husbands because uh I, did you did you see this um this is random so trump had a rally um and he is talking about the great lakes you have to fucking hear this shit i was like he's basically doing chapo bits at this point i've got to <laughs> i've got to play this for you and on the podcast yeah, go ahead. It, i i oh, fucking god i was like squealing laughing my ass off it was so farcical that i just like i was like ah my neighbors were probably freaking out last night when I heard this, but I'm going to play this because this is fucking great. This is just too good. Oh, the Great Lakes. Hold on. I support the Great Lakes. Always have. 
Okay. They're beautiful. They're big. Very deep. Record deepness, right? Like, are you <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I support these lakes. I always have. Like. The Great Lakes. They're big. Record deep. Record deep. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> oh, dude, see, so for real, I've heard, I've heard a lot of, like, a lot of like the comedy Which, adjacent by the podcast. Way, I've been to Erie. We played in Erie. Not a great place. <laughs> no, Erie. Erie <laughs> is is a fucking ghost town. Oh my god. Um, economic depression will do that to you. But but no, it's it's like fucking god almighty. It's just he's just. I mean, it's just <laughs> we. Ne- on, on our show, we never talk about. Trump yeah, I try not just, to too much. But this was but, this just, was too fucking too funny. Good. I mean. <laughs> oh no! Like, he's doing right? bits. Like he's got to like consciously. Yeah. No, I am doing he's a trying. fucking. I'm doing a Trump bit. Like, is he fucking auditioning? Like my my theory is Trump will wind up like getting a show in Vegas at one point where he's just gonna do comp like his own like one man show. Oh, so, you know, after his presidency, no matter if he's four <laughs> eight years, he's gonna have a show where he just continues being President Trump, <laughs> doing President Trump things, and they're gonna film it. Vegas, or he'll probably. fucking travel around and do rallies just, like, spouting a bunch of bullshit. Oh, yeah, he'll do rallies for the rest it, of his what, life. He'll do, like, tr- he'll, he'll do, like, Trump. Hopefully isn't much longer. <laughs> he'll do, like, Trump stomps. You know, like, David Blaine's street magic? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Except he's just going to go around doing bits to, like, Being little Trump. groups of, like, three or four people on the streets. <laughs> you have to look up that video. Uh, let me see if I can find out who posted it, because... <laughs> His, you have to see the video because his hands gestures. He's like doing this. He like kind of points down. He's like they're deep, the deepest, whatever. <laughs> like it's re- it's like it's rehearsed yeah, or exactly. something. Uh, who fucking tweeted this? We just think deep. Uh, down. So it's deep. it's at t r at a t r u p a r Aaron Ruper. It's a like a he's a certified or whatever blue check account. Oh God! It was on. It's on like yeah. C-SPAN as well. Um, but it was posted last night at around 7 p.m. Who was it? ATR? It's a. Uh, let's see, what is it? Fucking ATRUPAR. Oh. ATR, all that remains. <laughs> I got it. I used oh to get my down God, with this them, is dude. Be so good. But yeah, he does this fucking <laughs> hilarious hand gesture when he's talking about how deep the lakes are. I'm just like, <laughs> what the fuck? fuck? They're big? <laughs> <laughs> I did see. Oh my god! Speaking of his hands, I saw his one fucking of his, man, his cadence so, there too. He's like, they're big. Like, uh. he's a fucking William Shatner president Seriously. with his whole like. No, what? So the Hall of Presidents in Disney World, <laughs> they have like the newest president that like talks. First off, they they also assumed Hillary would win because it looks like a Donald Trump skin like stretch over <laughs> the Hillary like skeleton, which is funny as hell. Second. It's really kind of sad because they made Donald Trump read a script, and I feel like for the Hall of Presidents, they should have just let him go off the cuff. (laughs) (laughs) The year was... I can't do the the Trump voice. The year was 1776. Now I'm doing Bernie. Yeah, you're totally doing Bernie. Bernie. You're way way off. We can't... That's one of the things that is really sad about us as podcasters. Is, yeah, there's two of us, and neither of us can mimic. And I feel like one of us needs to go, like, to a mimic class so we can, like, bring something. Because I'm awful. I can't mimic shit, I'm pretty pretty decent. There has to be, like, a certain vocal register. 
Um, so I'll, I'll tell you about this. So tomorrow, um, and I don't know if you saw this, but on Twitter and on Reddit as well, like last weekend, Alex Jones was Alex Jones. He lives here in Austin, and he w- no yeah, shit. Yeah. Oh, he's been here forever. Um, yeah, oh. he's like one of the Austin, um, I guess, staples. So we used to have a transvestite <laughs> named Leslie that was kind of like everybody knew who this person was. They were like the un- okay. unofficial mayor of Austin. So I think now, since Leslie passed away, that that Alex Jones is like the new unofficial mayor of Austin. Oh, wow. But he was at a chicken place, and there were some, I don't know if they were a DSA group. I don't know. I heard somebody mention they were an anarchist. Anyway, so one of my uh, mutual follows on Twitter was there, and so I hit him up. I was like, hey, come on my podcast and fucking talk about this. So we're going to record <laughs> We're gonna record tomorrow and uh and hear the the story but it, it's out there if you probably you know even google like alex jones confrontation austin or something like you could probably find no it shit. oh yeah we're gonna look that shit up hell yeah. <laughs> yeah we got some gin up in the fridge waiting for us when uh we're done with this but uh alex jones is like oh i'm i'm at a chicken restaurant these goddamn libtards came at me and they accosted me blah blah, blah. that's that's my best <laughs> that's my best alex jones so him being an and the fluoride right in the water making the making, making the, the frogs goddamn game. frogs frog game. <laughs> oh, my favorite Alex Jones thing ever is um, I'm sure you remember he was uh, uh, in uh, court over his kids. Oh yeah. Um, his him and his wife separated, and it was a custody hearing or a custody case. And you know what I'm talking about. And his okay. Long story short, his wife got all the kids, <laughs> obviously. But they asked him what his kids age were well how old his kids were okay he said he couldn't remember because he had a big bowl of chili for lunch that afternoon oh you know i had a big bowl of chili impacted my memory i'm feeling really sleepy your honor (laughs) and i'm gonna stroke out i can't the the, the gay frogs are making me i can't eat i can't enjoy my chili (laughs) gay frog chili uh, opening up a portal for the interdimensional child molesters come across now, let me be clear. Oh, you're a bomb now? <laughs> but you know what's you know what's tragic about Alex Jones let is that clear. so back in the day in the late 1990s, um, Alex Jones was sort of a or even really I guess early 2000s, Alex Jones was sort of on the more libertarian front, and yeah. Yeah. he released a little film called 9/11: The Road to Tyranny. Which I've which I've actually okay. seen. It's the one Alex Jones film that I've seen, and basically like I trying to implicate movies, yeah. so my, my, that the, the Bush family was like behind nine eleven essentially. <laughs> so that used to be his his shtick before he turned to whatever the fuck he is now and is like supporting a Trumper. So it's kind of sad to see him. You know, he was always on about FEMA camps. And then I guess once <laughs> once Obama got elected, he sort of had to, about that. had to switch his message a little bit. So it's very sad. Remember the mise en scene in 9/11: The Road to Tyranny. I mean, he really just reached such cinematic heights with that film. I actually, do uh, um, you remember that though? Like when they were freaking out about FEMA camps. Yeah. Remember oh, FEMA that? camps like, go like, way sure. back, like way back. Oh, yeah, yeah, FEMA camps and Shur- Jade Helm and, and all that shit. Law. Oh yeah. There's, the goddamn Sharia law. <laughs> so okay, so I know, I know, you know, we're winding down here on the show, but I do want to say, I do want to, I, I have a really good question or a really good like topic for all okay. of us to end this on. So I have one, 
And I feel like a lot of us do have that one. And what I mean is, is that one that is now embarrassing documentary that you were super <laughs> into, like as a teenager, but like that now you're like, oh shit, because I have one, and mine, mine is one of the most famous of them all, and that is the Zeitgeist. That was that one. What do- the fuck is? Do you remember that? You don't know no. about that one? No, oh, dude, that was huge when I was in high school. When we were no, I just got into documentaries yeah. like. In college. Yeah, I really didn't watch documentaries that much growing up, but I do remember Zeitgeist coming out, and even Zeitgeist Two. The there's a sequel. Yeah, there's a sequel, <laughs> which I don't know. If, I don't think I watched that one. If I did, I don't remember much. But I just remember like being like 17 or like 18 around that age, and I was like right when I was starting to get because get into that like I was reading Richard Dawkins at the time, right? That's all you need to know, and. The zeitgeist is like this ultimate, like, like everything you know is wrong, man. Yeah. And every, it's actually, oh god, it does have hidden in it some like yeah, it does have some ideas. legit. I think in particular, like, it draws a lot of parallels between sort of the Egyptian deities and Christ, and which really but makes a lot of sense. Wor- and actually, that's for me. I'm sorry, but like to cut you off here a little bit, but that actually for me was where the garbage came from because a lot of that stuff actually wasn't sourced correctly. Yeah. And a lot of the things when he compares the Egyptians and like Christianity actually turned out to be false comparisons, um, which is one of the things I made wrong. But he did talk about in an interview or in that documentary about a massive resource system to keep track of all resources on all in the whole world. So that or was like, actually like yeah, oh, it was like a cool. resource resource based economy. Resource based yeah. economy. Yeah, that's what he talked about. Which at the time it was like I was a wreck. <laughs> I was ready Fully. to go. Like this is exactly. Um, but it was like this also documentary of like liberal pretentiousness and like the the liberal scientism that you know I was a, I yeah. was a big part of that for a while and that was just the and looking back now No, I mean just, I was too. I think everyone is on their path to radicalization. You're that you know liberal that yeah liberal uh, elite If you type. go to college and you radicalize yeah. that way you yeah. were definitely a scientism fucker. But I no, mean, scientific okay. method all oh, that's incredibly I, important. I got my documentary Idiocracy. Oh my god. Idiocracy. <laughs> You're one of those fucks. This is what society is. We don't do anything. We're going to be putting shapes and stuff for the test. <laughs> and that's going to be the president. I mean, that's that's it. That's what is it? Is it President Camacho or something like that? In Idiocracy? Oh, I, can't I can't remember. I can't remember his name. I mean, it's, it's yeah, Terry it's Terry Cruz, Cruz. It? But I can't. Yeah, yeah but yeah. I can't. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he was a good, in a ago. way, he was the only good president we could ever would have had because he actually gave up power for someone that was better. He's like, oh, hey. How? <laughs> Another good thing about him is that he is, you know, uh, he's a physical specimen. Um, you know what? Even if we have to live under fascism, like. At least it's going to be hot. Give me a right? hot fascist. I, don't, I got a fucking, like, <laughs> yeah, Trump is just pathetic. He's just, like, his fucking, he's. <laughs> Just really overweight. His suits He's don't thick. fit. His hair is terrible. Like, give me at least a fucking Ubermensch. Like, I want to fucking. I want something to like look up to. You know. Like, if you're gonna put your boot down yeah. on me, I want to look up at it like like a nice cock yeah, and some abs while exactly. they're putting that boot down on me. Oh hell yeah, <laughs> or a vagina. What the fuck? Just a very, a, at least me. a very respectable, respectable V taper. Give me something like. Give me some sizzle. I want. I want. Listen, if you're gonna like fascism if, me, I want femdom. Right. Yeah. Too. Exactly. You know what? That, yeah. Even better. <laughs> At least. But like bet. Like the best we get is is like someone like Beto, who is you know just kind of like a milk toast. Like yeah. 
They say I don't think. I mean, Beto's I get lanky like, fucking horse mouth motherfucker. Not I guess for a politician, more, but... like the pickings are so slim. Like who? I mean, who? Who do we have? Like there's, there's not very many handsome politicians. They're really not. I mean, because well, it's more important that as a woman, because there are more attractive women politicians, just because it's more important. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, in the sense, you know, to be an attractive woman. It's, oh, for sure. You know, but. You know, so I don't, yeah, as far as men, there's not, I mean, my are, type Are is, you going to somehow manage to, to take the podcast into being <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, AOC, you know, of course, I mean, but like that, uh, I mean, I don't know. There's not, as far as men, that's all I got as far as men wise, but even I, like the, like just people in general, like po- being a politician, there's just not a. It's it's you gotta be like exceptional to make me like corny and also <laughs> be a politician. Stalin. Like you gotta be like and old just, Stalin even. You gotta be like a t- like yeah. You gotta look like like young Stalin, but also be like a politician. And then we're, we're talking. E- I mean, you know what? Even old Stalin, fuck it. Rick Santorum, that Stephen Colbert looking fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about Rick Santorum. But. Is he still around or what? Is that he's yeah, still he's, alive? He's still doing shit. That's unfortunate. I'm trying to. I can't remember. Like I'm. I'm not. Like I think AOC is is a good looking woman, but she's she's yeah, not oh, the yeah. one that I that I'm the most haunt for. And I can't remember who she <laughs> yeah. is, but she's got bra- she's <laughs> got braids. I'm trying to find her. I think I found her here. Hashtag stop the horny left. <laughs> oh no, I think uh, Ilhan Omar. I think she's absolute. I think she's absolutely <laughs> really good looking. Time, remember that time that we were talking about how you're open like Brett on Street Fight, and I'm like Brian. Oh yeah, I'll talk. My, I'll my talk openly about sex. I don't give a shit. Stop the horny left. It's uh, Ayana Presley. She's the one that I think she's man. She's super attractive. Gosh, I've got a thing for her. Is. I think. She's a Democrat from Massachusetts. Okay. So I totally forgot that we were looking up pictures of blind ass Eric Porterfield, who is like one of the house, one of the uh, House of Delegates uh, representatives here in. Uh, Long story short, he's the one that said he would drown his children for being gay. <laughs> he's also blind, but in, but in his in his house as he walks down the stairs, it says, "For we walk by faith, not by uh, sight." Ooh. <laughs> Something that he never sees. Uh, yeah, I think Ilhan Omar. I mean, not just because she's she, you know, has some mad takes on Israel. I can get behind, but yeah, she's. I think that, that that's the one that I'm like, oh no, damn, she's cute. Ayana Presley, though, y- you have to see her. I'm looking. <laughs> We're getting <laughs> stop the horny. Stop, stop the horny. horny left. Left. It's far- as far as uh, I guess, like cis du- cis presenting dudes, which is all the dudes that are in. Uh, 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 Congress. There's not really any that like come to mind for me, just because it's just they're all they all follow that same. You know, there's that same basic politician yeah, look that you exactly. have to have, and it's just like. And oh man, you were so right. Ayanna Presley's a babe. Yo, let me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so disgusting saying. Oh that, yeah. But... Oh damn. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I do too. Like you know, especially like we used to be. You know, when you when you go to college, you're awful. Like, oh that, God Almighty! Awful being like, oh, oh damn, look at that! God. Oh damn, look at you know. It's just like looking back. No, like, do you, like we were awful. No, we were bad. But oh. do you remember our, our pal Buddy? When oh man, Buddy was the worst. <laughs> so we were walking from uh, the dining hall, 
and it's the three of us, and then um, us and our friend buddy, and th- this group of th- of three uh, girls pass us, and Buddy turns around, and we just hear him shout like she had to fucking heard him. He just goes, "Damn, she got an ass too, man!" Oh. And we're like, "Buddy." You can't, you do, can't that. do that. <laughs> you know, it's just it's just looking back. It's just oh, like I hate like I I'm a lot better at you know at that than and now. Not than, being, I'm not objectifying yeah, or not being, being you know creep as. But I mean, obviously, again, you oh, understand. I mean, you know, I was in a know. fucking you fraternity, your, which is the uh, ground zero right. for toxic masculinity, and I saw it and I participated in all of it, and it's fucking terrible. And I saw the worst of humanity. Yeah. At some of the parties we would throw, it was just fucking just so just terrible, oh. disgusting oh, behavior. God. I'm sure. I mean, yeah, we all have. I mean, that's, you know, when you grow up, you know, assigned male at birth, there's that, there's that, that, uh, that's just going to be a horn dog. Oh, yeah. that it's you have to be like sure. that. Yeah. And so we all have history. I mean, so many of all of us on the left have history of it. The, you know, we just got to, you know, work past it and recognize and acknowledge it. And yeah. Acknowledge it. Yeah. But uh, but no 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 damn dude that she was fine good good call. <laughs> <laughs> so that that I will announce my hauntness for Ayanna Presley on the podcast. <laughs> I will not announce I my hauntness for though, anybody because I'm no, rude. It's okay. We um we had an episode where I announced my hauntness for Big Poppy, um David Ortiz from. <laughs> so, uh, so that's fine, you know. <laughs> Yeah, we talked about Russell Martin's voluptuous ass too. Yes, we did. <laughs> nice. Yeah, baseball players. If you want, if you, you're looking for some good, good uh, man ass, man butt. Baseball. Yeah. Baseball. <laughs> baseball got you. But yeah, we're 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 reaching R- Rogan length in this podcast, so uh, we should probably. <laughs> That's why we're already talking about asses. Like it's gotten. You know, it's, we're we've getting talked, to that Rogan. We talked about season. Alex Jones. We're getting into asses and. People are getting horny. Uh, yeah, we should probably you're going to be probably call it a night at this point. You're going to be yeah. asking Jamie to pull up articles. Right. You're going to have like pictures of chimpanzees on your computer. It's going to uh, be bad. Okay. Have you ever seen uh, gorillas' dick? Uh, they're really tiny, actually. But uh, anyway, <laughs> man, what are that? What are those like 400 pounds? They could tear a man to shreds. <laughs> Jesus, they're just incredibly strong, you know. But anyways, Chris, Chris, Dave. Thanks again um, for spending this <laughs> yes, uh, your yes. Friday night with me. Because um, what it, it's we're, it's almost yeah, like thank you so much. Yeah. yeah, it is two minutes still, four minutes. I can't see. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's ten o'clock. Nine fifty six. Yeah, no, this was tight. This was a lot of fun. Yes, thank you so oh, much. Anytime. For we'll have for, to do uh, it. We'll for, definitely uh, do one again. Uh, but before uh, we shut down, go yes. ahead and share out. You know, let us know where we can find you guys on as far as podcasts. Social media, drop drop it all, plug plug everything, plug all my plug um, all my social media holes right now. All right, so we will. I'm just gonna <laughs> octopus you. All right, let me grab some couple strap ons. We'll get that going. Uh, we, uh, I guess I'll start because mine's the least. Uh, you can find me by uh, making sure it's at least two between two and three in the morning, stepping outside and screaming into the night and yelling. I will come. Um, he will come very hard. I will come very hard. I will come to you first, and then come uh, yeah. on your face. Uh, no, I don't do any social media, but uh, 
I mean, yeah, that's it. I don't do any social media. Like, Chris, you go. <laughs> that you, was so you, this drawn is your, out for yeah, nothing. This, <laughs> you do your bit. Um, I have a locked down Facebook account, and that's it. My name is Chris, and you can find me, the moth line, hammer and sickle emoji, on Twitter, at real wombo moth. Turn the M to W for wombo. Um, but we are mandatory OT. I stumbled and forgot what I was going to say. What, we are are our tw- what are our handles? <laughs> I know. West we're getting IWW. there. We are Mandatory OT, the official podcast of the West Virginia IWW, here for all fellow workers of Wild One for West Virginia, Southeast Ohio, Southwest Pennsylvania, and Eastern Kentucky. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mandatory OT. Reach out to the West Virginia IWW at West Virginia IWW, Facebook.com slash West Virginia IWW. Um, and if you're listening through our feed and how we shared it, please check out more episodes of podcast with Cooper Cherry. This is such a fun fucking show. Yes, it was. Um, and it, it's really good to hear uh, perspectives that are not just angry um, leftists oh, I mean, like uh, we don't, are. Don't sell me too high. I'm I'm very angry. Fucking a. No, you, you, you're much more controlled, oh, yeah. angry than we are. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, we are on several. I, uh, I have, I have no hope. So that really just kind of like mellows me out quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's just fucking. But it mids, come, man. it can come out. Oh, absolutely, I can get, I can get pretty intense. It, c- it yeah, I've, I've definitely seen it come out <laughs> or heard it come out um, a few times. Uh, the only thing I, I really have to say is, again, uh, make sure that no one's in there, but burn down your fucking local Applebee's. Um, you know, that's pretty that's much all I got to say. Burn down your local banks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, burn down things. Again, with no one in there. It's only Praxis if you also shit post about it. <laughs> yeah, right. Make sure you shit post effectively. Uh, yeah, um, we'll have uh, we'll have to have uh, you yeah, on our absolutely. show. Yeah, absolutely. Love um, to do it. be a blast. And so we can, we can really more focus on what you want to talk about and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, but... Thank you so much uh, for having us on. This was a fucking blast. I can't yeah, say absolutely. It Thanks um, for letting us rant. Fun oh, way yeah. to spend a Friday night. But uh, again, this is uh, Chris for and sure. Dave from Mandatory OT. Be sure to check them out. But uh, this is Podcast with Cooper Cherry signing off.